Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome back to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. I'm Max Peterson. And this is part three of our coverage of 1971's Straw Dogs, uh, directed by Sam Peckinpah. We, to full disclosure, we are recording the day after we recorded parts one and two. We did four hours and we decided mm-hmm. that it was, we were both getting a little bit like, you can't slog through that swamp no, no, for that it was long. Too, we were starting to choke on, yeah. on swamp water. So uh, at the beginning of the first episode, we did read a statement uh, sort of discussing some of the issues that we're going to be putting forth here. So I'm going to read the statement again because this is a new day for us. Right, a new day for us and if it, it has been a, a, there's a lot of episodes here so if someone's jumping in the middle, we yeah. don't want them to be blindsided. So we're going to read the statement one more time and then we'll wrap up our discussion of Straw Dogs. And here we go. Today, Max and I will be talking about 1971's Straw Dogs directed by Sam Peckinpah. As fair warning, this is one of the most controversial films in history. The film itself, the story behind the filmmaking of the film, uh, the, and Peckinpah, both as a director and as a man, are equally as controversial and often problematic. I believe it is important, before we begin, to establish a few things. First, our conversation exists in the context of the film. We are first and foremost looking at an often troubling and extremely difficult work of art. That is what we are discussing. There are real-world concerns and issues that will come into play, but there's no avoiding that much of what we're going to discuss is troubling and controversial, and many of the ideas and concepts that I would like to examine and explore in these episodes are abhorrent, problematic, and upsetting. Secondly, that being said, this conversation will not shy away from any aspect, element, or avenue. We mean to do a deep dive on this film and have these ideas out, however hard or horrid they may seem. This is an intellectual discussion, we will be, uh, we, but we believe it is uh, important to recognize that intellectual discussions are not always pleasant or safe, but that in their danger and discomfort, they can be valuable. Finally, I have decided that I will not cut <laughs> anything out of these episodes, including silence or pauses, which I sometimes max edits out of these uh, episodes for pacing. Uh, what you'll hear is exactly the conversation that Max and I are about to have without any of the ugliness, discomfort, or dangerous ideas uh, debrided therefrom. All yeah. that said, uh, episode two, we went through the the heaviest stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think we're through the murkiest I of the month. I think so. We may be tagging it back, but the hard conversation about that the rape scene is 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 past us. Right. Um, and, and actually, because we had, in order to discuss the rape, we had to sort of front load a lot of Peckinpah's really problematic portrayals and and uh, and depictions of mm-hmm. women that is all covered in one and two yep. we're definitely we're not out of the woods yet but we are not but, but i think the 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 grimiest of this movie is is behind us yep. and in because i like to to keep tagging on to this because the, because we read it we read a fucking disclaimer at the beginning of the episode <laughs> and we've done like we couldn't we physically couldn't keep going through the movie it is important to remember both carl and i i think we still share this opinion this is a great film yes. capital g great this is like should be in the- it is masterpiece territory yeah i'm not even that's not yeah it is yeah this is this is definitely like in the the wheelhouse of like in the canon of film history some films stand above the right. rest this movie belongs there. absolutely it's so well executed all right so where we left off was the rape scene. Mm-hmm. 
so we finished that. David was out shooting on the, the moors. Yeah. They abandoned him. My first note, because uh, we're basically just going to run through my notes as quickly as we can to try and get this in under <laughs> two. But uh, I wrote down, David has learned a lesson and he makes his own way home. Mm-hmm. I don't like oh. a defeated child. It's there's so much of that. The more I thought of it, it's interesting having a full day break between the first two episodes and now because you start to ruminate and think about the things again. It sinks in a little. And one of the things we kept talking about in episodes one and two is the behaving like children. Yeah. And the way that David walks walks out of the field with his gun, it is like <laughs> a it's like a child that has had his lunch money stolen and finally realizes. Oh, that those kids that invited me to play kickball with them actually don't like me. In fact, they're bullies. It was, it's that sort of defeat. There's that. There's a peppering in of that. Oh gosh. Well, shoot, they don't really like you it's know. It's that there's... childish sort of like slunch about his shoulders and the way that he. And he really. And then the pheasants fly up again. And... Mm. I actually read it. I read the scene completely differently, but I like that. I like that we have two, the two different readings. I read it as. Um, We've we talked about in the previous episodes Peck and Paws man yeah there's a man that that Peck and Paw holds up as like the the masculine ideal mm-hmm. and there's the there's the a lot of machismo yeah I feel like this is David this moment is oh there's something I forgot to mention yesterday one of the, in one of the issue uh, um, the interviews I was watching Dustin Hoffman talks about how he personally utterly abhors violence he's mm-hmm. like an ultimate oh, ultra pacifist uber pacifist yes he, he hated 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 hates violence mm-hmm. so part of why he took this movie because he he says in the interview he's like i hate violence i'm an utter pacifist but i'm very attracted to violence like he likes he mm-hmm. likes violent movies he you know like he like many americans does that thing we all have this thing where we're like violence is cool it right. really is no you we talk about john wick all the time love john wick but it's a cartoon violence versus so Dustin, yes. part of what Dustin Hoffman wanted to do when he took the role was explore that dichotomy within himself where he hates violence and yet is attracted to it. Mm-hmm. So he brings that to the character. It's almost like you're cushioning yourself from that lizard beast or that thing that's inside of you that you're afraid of. By watching. We talked, we talked about that little thing that sets in and whispers to you. Yeah, that, that primordial sort of by, soup in by your head. being yeah. such a pacifist, that is your way of, of saying no. No thing, no thing that's whispering. Yeah, a way to pump the brakes on your id. Brakes on your id. Yeah. Um, So what I, the way I read this scene is, this is Dustin Hoffman becoming. This is like for me, this is a step in his evolution towards becoming a Mm -hmm. a air quotes. There is a change. Yeah, this is the moment where he's like he's defeated, but sometimes that bully kid decides to learn kung fu and kick your fucking ass. Well, I think it's it's sort of like the end of his naivete. Absolutely, because there is. Yeah, yeah, because there's that. For me, the way I read that walk away is there's the the like his features cool and Mm -hmm. his face sets because he's just encountered death. With the bird. With the bird, yes. And I think that that encounter really stripped away the gauze. You know, like Mm -hmm. now he sees the world for what it is, this raw, violent place, and he realizes these are violent, crude men. And there's something about like... Something about his facial features where he like... His his mouth sets and he breaks his gun and he hangs it over his -hmm. his arm. And he he walks home. But like he walk... The way I see it in my head, he walks home with his shoulders back. Interesting. And his head up. Like... Like with a with the last little bit of pride, not 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 like ego pride, but mm-hmm. like, all right, I have like they've they've played this prank on me, and this moment to me feels like never again. 
Fair you enough. know, like like this is him growing. So, no, way. I definitely catch that. It's like there's that moment. It's I think maybe it's me bringing more of the having been the kid that's invited to kickball and getting the ball. You know, yeah. So I I think may I put some of that on the David character when he's like, fuck, he got he thought that he was in this thing with the boys, and then no, and just then kidding. The, the boys never came right, back, and right. it's sunset so, now. Yeah. yeah, but I did I did note the oh he is now no longer that that child that's going to be like not going to allow himself to be put in a position where he's going to be invited into the woods for a hunting day again. Right. Right. Like, yeah, he's like, no, okay, fuck you. Yeah. You get that sense that this is David's like, this is the last time that something like this happens to Mm -hmm. me. Um, so he gets home and we get what I think is the two best bits of acting in the movie, which is Amy's post rape scene. Mm hmm. David gets home and starts gets home, but sits down, takes off his jacket, starts stripping off his shoes, and Amy is sitting in the bed smoking a cigarette. And she's she is covers up to her. I mean, she's covered. She's barely holding it together. Yep. So you've got this scene in your head. I wanted to throw something at yeah. you and see what you thought. There is a remake of this movie. Mm-hmm. James if, Marsden. Or, James Marsden and I can't remember the other people. Uh, yeah. But James Marsden plays the Dustin Hoffman character. Mm-hmm. If I was gonna cast a remake of this. I say Eva Green and Tom Hardy, or Eva Green and Daniel Craig. I think more Daniel Craig, because Tom Hardy, man, he's already so... I mean, he can he could probably play... Yeah, the, that's, the that's match, what I'm saying. Is he's got, I would actually like to see Tom Hardy in a role where he isn't immediately identified as the the violent he's a, he's, one. Yeah, he often plays like that quiet, violent type. Because he, I think Tom Hardy sort of is that. Have you seen him in interviews? I mean, he's... He's yeah, but fun and he's Tom Hardy, but you're also like, dude, this dude will fuck you up. He's that he had like crazy addiction problems when he was young right. and he used to carry gun a gun with him everywhere he went. But like in a lot of interviews when he talks about why he plays like these tough, strong, competent mm-hmm. characters over and over again and like villains and dangerous people, as he says he he was basically saying stuff like he, the, in a lot of interviews he says like I was the bullied kid mm-hmm. so I as an actor I want to play the men who scared me growing up. Interesting. Because he's like he's like I don't like There's to a fight. Catharsis Shia LaBeouf knocked too. him out on the set of Lawless. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Tom Hardy's like <laughs> okay. he's not in real life he's not that uh, he's he's like he's he's mouthy and he doesn't take shit. Right. And he's a little bit of an asshole. Right. But he he's not like that like. He's not a he's not a like capital T tough guy. Fair you know enough. What I mean, but yeah. So on the set of Lawless, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf walked up and clocked him because he he was they were like method acting. Scene, okay, yeah, yeah. So he's bullying him as like Shia oh LaBeouf's older brother, and Shia LaBeouf was like, "Fuck you, bro," <laughs> and put him down. Damn it. <laughs> so in this, well, I could see Tom Hardy getting there. Daniel Craig too, actually, because they're both capable of that i feel like daniel craig is almost too good a fit i want to see someone have to reach for it yeah exactly and yeah daniel craig's got he this i read an article that described him and michael fassbender where they say that these are these are the actor the the male actors of today that we love do wounded masculinity really well so you can see daniel craig like you know be emasculated by eva green and then Mm -hmm. take it back at the end it's weird because i can see daniel craig in the like early part of the movie, David, but I have trouble seeing him in the hyper violent end. Yeah, Tom Hardy, I see in the hyper violent end, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a weird, there's a weird thing where that like that early emasculated David, I can see him doing that too, but yeah. I feel like that would be, that would be a like a it would play it plays a so muscle that he doesn't. Though. I know, yeah, 
Because he's a he's a well, he's gotten pretty skinny, but he's a I he's an imposing presence. Yeah, and that would bring in a real interesting sort of dichotomy—not dichotomy, but the the big the person that looks like a big tough person, right? That that is not. Yeah. And so you're challenging that stereotype of he's a, just because you're big and gruff looking doesn't mean that you are a tough guy. He's a really good physical actor too. Yes, like with, like the, like there's a. There's a famous thing that he did, or that they were talking to him about uh, how his acting training went. Mm-hmm. And he said that the thing that was drilled into him in school again and again and again was if there's a king that walks onto stage and there's no costume and there's no dialogue, how do you know he's, how the, do king? You know he's the king? So he worked with basically this one professor over and over and over again on like physical posture and how to like structure a character so if you watch bane bane does the like that Mm -hmm. grabs his he grabs his lapels all the time really high up like as a sort of an homage to like how napoleon used to tuck his hand yep so bane has that like grab your chest thing and it's really a dominant move yes it is so when he walks into a room you're like oh shit shit and then immediately in lawless he plays this fucking like hulking huge bootlegger guy but he dressed that character in cardigans, old man clothes. And if you watch his character, a lot of times his hands are stuffed in his pockets in like an, mm, oh, shucks kind yep, of way. Yep, yep. So he like dials it back so that when those flashes of violence pop, it's that there's it's a like huge out of nowhere. contrast. It's yeah. like a snake coming up out of his coil and it's whack. Right. I love that choice because you could play him as an intimidating brute, but he mm-hmm. plays him as like this withdrawn, kind of quiet. Which makes it so much more shocking this, and amazing when he comes out and just. Right. So that I'd love to see that. Yeah. And there's a reason that I only said Eva Green because she she fucking she would rock this dude. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the type of thing that she kills. So anyway, that was my little fanboy moment. No, I love it. <laughs> um, Stellan Skarsgård is the other person in the remake of Straw Dogs, I believe. Oh, it is Stellan Skarsgård who plays uh, Tom, I the drunkle guy. It's Tom or Charlie, one of the two. Okay. Um, so he. There's a weird thing that they do where they are talking to each other, but they're purposefully not talking to yeah, each other. Yeah, I found that. Th- th- I mean, as this scene disturbed me greatly be- yeah. because it can be read as one of two ways. And we think we talked about it earlier. Either, either he knows mm-hmm. what's happened, what's happened, and is being a real fucking asshole about it by the things that he's saying. Yeah. Or he's aloof, which is is also sort of and like disturbing. Oblivious. Because if you don't realize something is wrong with your wife, but just in this in the moment you open the door and see the see her posture, you know what's really she's fucked visibly up? Visibly bruised. bruised. She has bruises she has on her physical face. Physical marks on her, and he sees them and doesn't comment. Doesn't doesn't say anything. Doesn't question. And she's she's smoking the nervous fucking cigarette. Right. Like yeah. This is my. There's a the darkest reading of this scene is I think that the correct knows. one is that he knows and hit. He, he's pretending. It's it's like so multi layered. I think he knows. He's pretending not to know, and he's structuring all everything, everything he says to so that her. it cuts. Yeah. I think it's it's really brutal because mm-hmm. we've seen him become slightly more cruel progressively yes. throughout the movie. And I think this is a moment where because right before he left on this shooting trip, the one of the things that he said was basically he basically told her, like, you're asking for it. Mm-hmm. OK, if you keep flaunting this around, these guys are going to rape you because, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, it's the line like you can't expect these guys not to look at you or right. like um, shit. What's the other one? Uh 
but the, there's there's it's in that kit the kitchen scene when yeah. she's taught he's basically like why don't you wear a bra you right. should wear a bra make sure you close the blinds and right. she just keeps ignoring him and again this is all in all in, in context and pause of world right. yeah this is this is yeah we're talking this is all in the context of straw dogs from david's perspective right because basically david's been saying like if you keep any it's it's that same like weird parent child dynamic that's set up early in the film it's basically like when your mom is like or when you're let's say your dad like your dad's like don't keep if you keep climbing that tree those branches are getting small you're gonna fall you're gonna fall you're gonna fall don't do it and then when you fall and hit all the branches and you're on the ground and you're crying and you're bleeding your dad's like i fucking told you right and they don't you know, you, the, the, it's like, it's so, that's actually not bad. It's like Amy has fallen. Finally, the branch right. broke. Yeah. She was horribly beaten on the way down and she's running for a hug. And dad's like, uh, uh-uh, mm-hmm. you did this to yourself. Right. Fucking cold as shit. It's but this oh, man. in the world of this film. That's exactly what that happening. scene is. So fucking yeah. raw, man. Um, but there's a, I find it interesting that he sits on the floor past the foot of their bed too. He's not, he doesn't sit on a her. chair by the window. I remember him on the, on the, yeah, I think it might he be the, chair by the, the window. chair by the window yeah. and he's looking at her and she, mm-hmm. he says, oh, there's a great it doesn't even come closer to her side of the bed or towards the bed. There's a wild back and forth where he says they really stuck it to me on the moors mm-hmm. today. And there's a pause and she goes, she quotes the Bible, Adam. She says, they also serve who sit home and wait. I think it's the Bible. I don't know. Yeah, I don't read the Bible, Carl. I don't know. I'm fucking kidding. <laughs> but he, yeah, she goes. They they also serve who sit home and wait. Which in the context of his, it's like they, they also they stuck it stuck to it me to well. me at home. Fuck. Yeah, it's dude. The scene is so dark. And David looks the 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 looks between the two of them mm-hmm. where she's not making eye contact and he's like boring into her, like trying to catch her eye. Mm-hmm. You just it's that like. Something happened to you? Did something happen that I said was probably going to happen if you didn't? Yeah. It's so God sickening, dude. Ugh. Like this is this is one of the scenes where you have nowhere to go. No, you don't. Because you're like, all right, David. David is clearly the shittier of the two. Right. And then you look at Amy, and you're like, can't side with her either. Fuck. Ah, there's no yeah. there's nowhere to go. It's just them just cutting each other a little mm-hmm. bit lower each time. And then she goes, she has an awesome line where she goes, you're a coward. And there's a beat. And then she goes, and I'm a coward. And you're like, Fuck. oh man, it's such a, it's such a beautiful line, especially with the pause there too. Mm-hmm. She's like, she, cause she's been calling him a coward the whole movie. That's yeah, nothing new. But then new. she's calling herself and a she coward. she says, yeah. and I'm a coward. And you're like. Fuck. Oh man. And David does the David's but reaction. David, his reaction is he gets in bed with her and tries to have sex with her. Yep. Which if depending Which on not, your early reading of yeah, the scene, that's super really fucked, fucked up. up. Yeah. Like this is because it, it, David's motivations here in are entirely dependent. Like however, how you're going to read this moment is David still so childish and immature that he thinks, well, I'm her husband, so when I sex her, it will make everything better. Right, I can or, fix her with my penis. Like, right. that's the most ridiculous fucking thing or is this, to and, consider. And you know what's really horrible is that might not be so far from what Peckinpah's thinking, given right. how we know that Peckinpah views the world. Where right. I, will give her, I will give her the good sex now and she will be okay. Right, exactly. Like, Fuck that is shit. I don't know for sure, but that's a potential reading through the lens of of Peck and Paul's yeah. world of masculinity. And, and it's not. And a, I don't think it's a far that far of a stretch consider, stretch considering right and the, the world that he's created and and the interviews and things like that. Like yeah, yeah, this sort of like 
and again, there is some controversy about whether or not he's a misogynist. Right. I think I think my stance, probably yours too, is that mm-hmm. this is a fairly misogynistic film. Oh, the film is absolutely the, misogynistic. The treatment film. is definitely misogynistic. This, this is this is you show this to like feminist groups and like this is what misogyny is like. This is or yeah, not femi- but you know this is like. If you want a clear, if you want a good a, a example, of, example misogyny. of misogyny, you watch this movie, and that is your textbook, right? But misogynistic, it, nihilistic, fucking yeah. And it's important to point out the nihilism too, because yeah. it's not like a weird pro man movie. No, either, it is not because it hates all the men equally. It hates everyone. It hates everyone equally. Everyone that's in, in this movie is hated, and we hate them as well. So the darker reading of David getting into bed with Amy is she called him a coward, and he's gonna punish her by mm-hmm. putting her back in the situation that destroyed her as like right. as another as yet another domestic cruelty that we're watching yeah. either way this is a fucking awful reading yes it is there's n- there's no good read it's on a, the scene at all yeah and, but again it's not like it was a shitty scene it's a great it's scene it's a fucking amazing oh, scene man. but it is you're stuck in that in so, that weird in the in that liminal space where you don't have it's like a, it's like a liminal space that that only exists as the liminal space. There is no home on one side and the vast wilderness on the That's other. That's a good point. There's no there is no domestic space. The inside of the house is just as wild as the wild outside. Yeah. It's like it, it's like the liminal space is a fucking weird there is no other this side. This is a of it. movie of transition. It's yeah. not starting one place and, and ending, ending another. another yeah. No, I mean you do end in a very different place from where you start. You do, especially with David. But you but start in turmoil. You start yeah. with the marriage already kind of. In it's pieces. already it's already fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it's not because there's a lot of movies where it's like happy couple destroyed by event right. reunited at the end. This movie is like unhappy couple. This isn't fatal attraction. No, this no, no. isn't like yeah. It's the arc of this. There's you can't even say arc. There's not really a clear arc. Nothing happens in some, things happen. Yeah, there's definitely But nothing happens. There's no Something does. There's a there's a bloodbath, but Well, absolutely, but there's, there's like, no story arc. Y- you could I, I, you could probably do the like rising action climax Danny sure. Ma I if mean, you yeah, if you wanted to, but it's it, it doesn't You can chart it. Yeah, it doesn't feel like an arc. It feels almost like a I would say this feels like a two-act film to me. Mm-hmm. Because you have the psychological cruelties Leading to the rape, which is the end of, in my head, the end, end of, of Act, Act One, one. Yeah. But, and that's a pretty long it's first long. act. Yeah. But there's no other point that makes sense as like a as a third as act that, turn. Like, yeah, right. I mean, I, you know what? I guess you could actually you could force a, it into three acts. You could, but I don't think it fits properly. You go rape is the end of Act One. Build up to the home to when David snaps and becomes violent is Act Two, and then the home invasion is Act Three. But really. Everything post-rape is act two. Is act two. And that all leads up to the home invasion, which is our end part. Which is our climax in the denouement. Because almost immediately after this bedroom scene, they go to the... The church social. social. Let's talk about the church social. That's pretty amazing. That that scene fucked me up, dude. Yeah, it's like watching a nightmare. It is. You are watching her nightmare. She gets to her and David get there, and the only adults present in the building are the rapists. The rapists, David and Amy, and the pastor. Yeah. And then there's like some weird choir guy and a, right. a couple but nuns. But they're completely set nights. They're thirty years. Like, they're like. <laughs> and I'd like to also point out that David and Amy are sitting with the children. Yes. So it's David and Amy. That, I was gonna. Did take, you, you yep, know? Like they're sitting with the kids. David and Amy <laughs> go and sit chill. with the kids. Fuck, dude. Like. And every time we cut past them over their shoulder, it's this tablet 
tableau of Amy's rapists mm-hmm. and David's tormentors dressed as children with mm-hmm. like party hats and false noses and like little and this is where i got the whole fuck here we go this is clockwork orangey shit it is very and i that is something that uh bears pointing out is that peck and paw says that stanley kubrick is one well in a lot of interviews he calls him his favorite director because of his meticulous framing his his sense of pace and his insistence on having total control of his films it's why eyes wide shut sucks yeah yeah. it's because stanley kubrick died before he could cut it right and then it's shit it is fucking garbage that movie's terrible yeah. Nicole Kidman that is the worst thing you've ever done <laughs> <laughs> note to Nicole Kidman note to Nicole Kidman girl <laughs> look for real actually I like Nicole Kidman in a ton of stuff I like her in general have you seen Fur an imaginary mm-hmm. portrait for the uh, a study for a portrait of Diane Arbus no Ooh, it's, dude it's good Fur is my favorite romance and Nicole Kidman slays in it yeah. but an eyes wide shut boy that is she's a, aged beautifully too by the way she has she has yeah, yeah. And and some actors <laughs> just feel like I'm buffering. I know, right? But like, have you ever noticed how sometimes when actors get older, they lose a step? Yeah, things get flat. Yeah, I think Nicole Kidman is better. Only than getting when she better. Was young. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, so I, I feel kind of strange, like mentioning and, and applauding Nicole Kidman in the middle of a rape movie conversation. But that's yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she came up in context of Stanley oh, no, Kubrick. Fair enough, yeah. But we talked about Tom Hardy and Eva Green too. Oh, that's true. Um, but so when we're at that church, the way that the, the church sequence is cut reads. I was going to say reads Kubrickian, but that's not fair because it it is of a peck and paw thing. Mm-hmm. The the his, fast his inner cuts, cuts. I love. I love. 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 I hate cuts. I hate smash cuts. I hate the quick cutty shit. Yeah. Like modern Hollywood the flashy cuts. cut. Flash. I generally typically. I hate that shit because they're a lot of times they're not done. Sleepaway well. Two did it really well. Sleepaway Camp so, Two does. actually it did too, <laughs> but a lot of times they're they're either used in very strange places or they just use it to as an effect, right? Or something to like to create visual a cr- motion a as a crutch. Yeah, not this one. With this, it is like this is how you this is how you use that to to its best. Sh- yeah, they, he. Peck and Paul uses the fast cut. It's a lot of fast cuts back to her rape or fast cuts back to like images of David, David and her. And they're ha- them having sex the first time. And they were cutting away for like fractions of it's a second. It's like two frames or something. It's yeah, it's insane. really fast. It's, it's almost. Remember the face in The Exorcist? Yeah. It's, it's that like fast. that. It's really quick. It hangs a little quicker than that, but like not by much. And then they. um, the, not, it's not only that The whole time we're getting those initial first cuts There's two sequences where we cut back to the rape To mm-hmm. kind of show Amy's like post-traumatic stress yes. disorder That she's developed she from can't, it She's panicking, she's sweating Yeah, she's freaking out of, yeah. But the sea of children behind her are all Oh bleh, god bleh, damn bleh. it They're all blowing those noisemakers And there's like 20 It's it's like this roaring noisemaker muscles, The muscles in my back yeah. Tensed up to the point where they were pain, like they were in pain, I had to stand up and stretch. Like that sound with the like the, everything happening. Yeah, it's I it, tensed up so hard that it caused physical pain. Yeah, so we're hearing this like roaring cacophony of noisemakers and cutting, and that is triggering because like the rushing in Amy's ears, mm-hmm. it triggers her back to yep. seeing the the rape. And her rapists are by, and her five rapists are feet from her immediately behind her. Jesus Christ! So then. The pa- the minister does a magic trick, which oh, tearing oh, of the this newspaper. This is amazing. He folds up the newspaper, and they're the the rapists are heckling him. They're like, "You tore up the same paper last year," and he goes, "And I'll probably tear it again next year." Like there, there's like yeah. this weird banter, 
And what makes that so horrible is you realize that her rapists and, and attackers are utterly at ease. Yep. There is not one single one among them who's like, oh, God, I hope Amy doesn't no, tell. No, they're just back to business. They're this, fine. This is business like as non, usual. a non-issue. It yeah. might as well have not even happened. Yeah, because, and I think it it's because... It was like jerking off to them. I feel like it's because they know the impotence of the magistrate, of the major, and they know that they're, like, there have never there been is, reper- repercussions There is zero threat mills. of repercussion. Right, because these, all. the way that Peckinpah has built this, this masculine hierarchy, these men are on top. Yep. There's no threat to them. And it's very clear. David is clearly not a threat. Amy's so fucked up by it. They're just like, what's she going to, and what's she going to do anyway? She has no recourse. This is just going to be let slide. So they're fine. And we do, we cut in between. He, he does the foldy, the the minister folds and then he tears it and then he unfolds it. And the, the, his big like reveal line is it hasn't been torn at all. And the way Peckinpah cuts it Uh is he goes, it, he yells, it hasn't, and then it cuts to Amy being raped, then to Amy's face, back to the minister, Ben torn, cuts to Amy's rape, cuts back to the minister at all, and then it cuts to the rapists, the rape, yeah, yeah. and Amy's face. It hasn't been torn at all, and you're like, oh yep. my god. And it's not even explicit. Like it's, nope, it, it isn't. It doesn't cut to like the... the it doesn't cut to anything explicit. It cuts to Amy's face yes. while she's being raped. It cuts to Amy's face while she's sitting in the church. Mm-hmm. But the implication of cutting on those words, it's editing. It's the most disgust. It, it, it makes your stomach yep. churn and it's entirely just based on the editing. Yep. It's based on well-placed cuts. Yep. It's really real. And using the English language as a, we don't, as a weapon to sort of cut yeah, you. We don't really applaud editing on this show very much. Usually it's like the stunt In this one, especially once we get to like the home invasion shit. Yeah. Dude, that, oh my God. Who, there's some yeah. shit going on with cinematography and cutting. That yeah. Is, the, the, yeah, the 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 editing on this movie, and apparently Peckinpah did a huge chunk of it. Himself. He kind of lived in his editing room, I but think. But like the the editing on this movie is so sharp and supports the the film so well. Like half of the stuff that really blows your mind, you realize isn't necessarily even the practical effect. It's the juxtaposition of yeah. cuts side by side. It's a really amazing amazing thing to and we only notice it because we're looking it's not obvious editing it's right it's very subtle like if we were just to watch this movie not for a podcast perhaps right but i can't watch a movie anymore without i i can spin the dumb ca- ones yeah the dumb ones <laughs> this cast has changed me sir if the movie gets too good i'm immediately like oh yeah that cinematography is mm-hmm. really great what do you think the symbolism of that right. kind of- <laughs> god damn it so the, it's at the church social. basically um david and amy are going to leave very shortly but before they do Janice, we talked about Janice in the last episode. Yes. She's the like 14, 15 year old mm-hmm. daughter of Tom. Uh, in Peck and Paw's movie, again, gotta, right. gotta make this delineate this. Uh, we have to make this distinction. But in Peck and Paw's movie, she's portrayed as kind of like a like a Lolita coquettish, yeah. trying to seduce older men. She's a man trap. Mm-hmm. She's intentionally dressed, dressed. Um, and again, all terms in 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 this in this movie, context, she's right. dressed kind of like slutty intentionally so yeah, yeah. so she goes over to she sees david at the church social and goes over to david and she's like hi, hi david. david and Stands he's like right in front of him mm, yeah it's and it's there's no subtlety here at all it's it's just like hey david look at my baby it's mm-hmm. she's right in front of yep. him and david's like hey and he turns back to amy yeah ignores her completely and in a weird way like that is the only moment in the movie where you applaud david yeah you're like good for you buddy yep absolutely 
but then but then that is the because peck and paw can't it, yeah first of all that condemns janice to death that sure does but also it? you can't so you can't fuck dude like, and you and and to give peck and paw his due is he only ignoring janice to be cruel to her or is he like, like or is it because david is so sexually divorced from himself because he's this weird cold analytical being peck and paw cannot allow any Warm thing to linger. Nope, not so at all. So there's enough that this movie is peppered in now that every single good. Oh, there was something. Oh, I had this thought yesterday because we've had a day between episodes. Yeah. No one in this movie is rewarded for helping anybody. Oh no! In fact, the exact Any, opposite. Thing anytime happens. you try to help somebody, you get fucked over or yeah. destroyed, or completely destroyed. Yeah. yeah. If you watch out for anybody but you, any that's how this movie works. The rule, one of the rules of this movie is, if you look out for anyone but yourself. You either die or just get your fucking whole world wrecked. Yeah. Which is what's about to happen today because he's trying to help somebody. David? Yeah. yeah. He's trying to help his wife get her out of there. So David, David kind of, oh, hey, Janice. So anyway, Amy, are you doing all right? You okay? You want to go? And Janice is like, well, fine. Now, this is important because I wrote down uh, the subplot with Janice seems to be about girls trying to uh basically like looking to hook up or i'm like mate seems like a weird scientific word but that's what i mean kind of mating yeah yeah like to to enmesh themselves into the lives of nice guys now i use nice guys loosely because we're talking about david right but the subplot seems to be about janice looking for sex or for like some sort of connection with nice guys air quotes david and then running into the arms of predators when nice men rebuff them mm-hmm. the pedophile yep. henry niles which is which said, is yeah. exactly what happens with david and amy yes amy looks again and again and again here's this nice guy let's I call mean, him a nice guy yeah. just for the sake of the argument this nice intellectual man he taught at yale or whatever yeah. or harvard and he's like, she's like, she again and again tries to find a connection with this man. And when he continually rebuffs her, she runs to the other complete other side of the pendulum and runs into the arms of basically this brutal, mm-hmm. violent. Yeah, this violent man. Yeah. So when I said when it does happen, uh, them running into leaving the, the nice guys to go and be with pedophiles and murderers and rapists. um. Other men need to step in and correct the sexual infraction with violence, thus removing all agency from the women themselves. Mm-hmm. Because this is why I don't call this a rape revenge movie. We've seen six rape revenge movies yes. now. Uh, five rape revenge movies now. Mm-hmm. No, six, yeah. So we've seen six rape revenge movies, and in every one, the woman is raped, and she, she is reclaiming that, her agency, yeah. takes revenge. In this movie... The poachers come and lay claim to some game in David's house, Amy, that doesn't belong to them, which is so fucked up. And the burden rests on David to correct that sexual infraction and defend his property. Exactly. When Janice gets... She doesn't actually get raped by Henry Niles, but like... Ooh, that's a tricky one. If the scene had progressed... He would have. But would it have... It is. It is. It yeah. is. From a legal standpoint, I think the UK the age of consent is sixteen. So if she's sixteen, maybe not. But that's a weird one, right? Because yeah. okay, so Janice. Hey, we read her disclaimer, so we can talk about it. So Janice initiates everything. Yeah. And Henry Niles is mentally handicapped. If that scene continues, stretches out, he's 
and they have sex. There's a statutory situation happening. Right. So from a legal standpoint, legal, yeah. but let's talk about this in the context entirely in the context of Peckinpah's world. We're talking okay. about Peckinpah's morality. We're talking about the world of straw dogs. I'm not talking about the real world. If we're in the real world, Henry Niles and Janice is definitely statutory rape. We're in agreement. Yeah, absolutely. In Peckinpah's world, who is culpable in that situation? In Peckinpah's, in Peckinpah's world, in straw dogs, Janice is. because she, Janice is being predatory again in peck and yeah we can't stress that we've enough, stressed this right? entirely so in straw dogs in the context of that and the masculine hierarchy that peck and paws set up janice is actually at fault in this scene with henry niles right yes that's how we're reading it mm-hmm. because henry niles eventually becomes that which we must defend yeah i was trying to wrap my head around this because yeah, it's a fucking it is you have, some, you have you to do some you have to do some summer salts for sure dude, but but if you just follow the the world that the movie set up where everyone is hated janice just like amy like peck and paw establishes in straw dogs pretty clearly that amy is at fault for for yeah. being raped yes he does. in his movie in his, yeah janice in his movie and I, ha- I have to you have to bring this up because those two characters they're they're connected they're connected yes absolutely. they resonate with each other and Even in the way they dress at the beginning of the movie, there's, right, yeah. right. There's the showing, yeah, yeah. So, and it's hard. It's this is why this is part of why this movie is so hard for us. I think is it forces you to analyze it on its terms, mm-hmm. and its terms are pretty abhorrent. Yes, they're pretty hard to sit to leave in your head. For it's a long hard to of time. to stay and visit that world for long without. Yeah, like you can hear us right now just like stumbling over ourselves to tell you Mm -hmm. like we're talking about the movie. We understand that all this in the real world is completely fucked and like it's it's very obvious in the real world. Yeah, Amy was raped. Those two men are her attackers. She's the victim. It's very clear cut. Same thing with Janice and Henry Niles. But in this film, in this movie, in Peckinpah's world, Amy is at fault for her rape and Janice is at fault for For her her own murder. Yeah. Do you agree? I agree 100%. Okay, that, that, that yeah, that's how I shown, that's yeah. how I read this movie yep. and that's part of why like right now oh my god dude, yeah. So much the, my, yeah, it's like it's, my oh dude, yeah, like my skin is crawling mm-hmm. saying that. Okay, so basically Janice comes over to Niles and she's like, "Hey, let's go for a walk." And he's like, "Okay." And they go for a walk and then she they go and hide in a barn mm-hmm. and they're like lighting candles, candles and, and setting them down yeah. together and And he seems uncomfortable at first he's nervous because he's been warned again and again yeah and he's like we're gonna fuck you up well there's that scene earlier we we glossed it and i have to talk about it because dustin hoffman reprises it Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a scene where after he talks to janice his brother john niles comes over and slaps him twice and until he's bleeding and then we cut away and dustin hoffman looks horrified and we cut back and john is dabbing his lip dabbing the blood off his lip and he goes all right come on let's get you home yep like i'm hurting you to show you i love you yeah I'm protecting you and Dustin Hoffman will do this in a bit. So they hear voices and Henry Niles is like their Janice is like, well, I better go. And she, he's like, no, they might hurt you. And he grabs her around the neck and either breaks her neck or strangles mm-hmm. her. But then he has her feet off the ground. You realize. Yeah. They, they, it's her face and his face and he's got his arm around her neck and then they pan down and you realize her like, yeah, her feet are off the ground yeah. and you're like, Oh, he, oh, she's shit. dead. Yep. Fuck. And when he sets her down, I think you mentioned it in the last episode, 
the to, her head the same thing as the pheasant her her head lolls yeah her head and it's to the same direction the same too. direction yeah her head yeah her head lolls like the dead bird and he's like oh no oh this is a real bummer yeah, this is real bad so this the next shot I want to talk about is maybe my f- favorite in the movie because it oh it's just because it's the way it's shot the way the actors execute it we talked about it in the last episode mm-hmm. the men. Don't go looking for Janice. The men go to the pub. Yes. And the men, when they get to the pub, I like to capitalize. I, I, I noticed that I have a tick where I verbally te- capitalize letter, like capital D. Capital D, But right. they're capital D drinking. Yeah. This They're not like going and having a drink. They're like, they're let me get this. Themselves. I got to get this beer down. Yeah. Uh, give me another beer. Uh, like I got to get this beer like down. It's fueling. Yeah. And it's the way, the reason it's so effective is Peckinpah doesn't shoot one of them drinking at a time he shoots a wide low angle and you see five men standing around drinking with purpose yes so you see everyone's doing it at their own pace but to see five men all doing that thing where they're just like drink is done give me another getting the drink down okay okay give me another one to see them all like working at getting drunk yeah i wrote down uh, my note for this one is they're they're standing around and drinking hard and with purpose, nerving themselves for what's to come. Earlier in the movie, the first time we see David become cruel and vicious when he uh, is verbally sparring with the minister, he was drunk. He was drunk. Peckinpah was a severe alcoholic. Yeah. I don't think this is unintentional. Or no, I don't just... think so either. So I said there's a code here, uh, one of the tropes of masculine violence. So... The drunk actually has children go and look for his missing daughter. Yes, he, he does. Sends he the, has the kid go after. Yeah, he has the kid go try and find a, his daughter. You, you fucking go fight. He's, and the men, I so I wrote down, men need to drink to ready themselves for violence. In right. this film, that's what's happening here. Is they're all like, we're going to have to do some stuff that would haunt us I, normally. I need to get drunk. Yeah. So I can do those things. Yeah, and there's a... In other movies, in a lot of westerns, this is glorified. No, they they do is like, let me get a bottle of whiskey. Right? Yeah, it's like, give me the glass. Well, Unforgiven, it's a very big thing. Like, the whiskey is his. We find, yeah, we find out like uh, he half the men he killed, he doesn't remember he doesn't killing because he's so because he was so up. fucking hammered. Yeah. But so, but Unforgiven, in a weird way, is informed by this film. Oh, absolutely. Like realistic, yeah, realistic violence and like the approach of drinking and violence. Mm -hmm. Like, and Unforgiven is sort of an anti-Western in that way. But I'm talking about like, you watch, you watch John Wayne put four shots back. Yeah, that's right. You watch Clint Eastwood in his early, as a younger man in an early movie, just like. Like uncorks the bottle. Glug, 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 glug. Now I'm going to go go and kill a bunch of people. A fistful of whiskey. This exactly a fistful <laughs> of whiskey, and Peckinpah comes from that world of the Western. This seems like a denouncement of that in so many ways. It does, doesn't it? It yeah, because yeah. you watch it and it makes you it makes you nervous. Your stomach falls away and you're like, because had they drunk. all had they all gone out and and went searching right away, could they have found her in time? Who knows? But instead, they all of them go to the pub to get loaded so that they can dispatch violence. Right. Right, they have they so, they they use the alcohol to prepare them yeah. for what must be done, mm-hmm. and and what's re- what's really messed up is I believe Peckinpah believes that what must be done must be done. Right. Like they are men because they're gonna go do it. Right. But I like the if they had just gone and done it, it would have been a glorification of violence. But this the fact this they little had to get tag, themselves loaded. watching them get hammered first, really 
establishes the horror of it, mm-hmm. the, the horror of the because violence. even these horrible men know that they probably wouldn't be able to do it. I think we can. Or we both can we both agree that even though it's totally nihilistic film, yeah, that where everyone is hated, it is this movie still is a definite condemnation of violence. This movie in no way glorifies. No, it's not violence. glorifying it at all. Okay, no, all right. the very the exact opposite of that. I would say. So there's. Basically now what happens is Henry Niles tries to run away. He gets hit by David because it's foggy, it's foggy on his car. So they bring Niles back to the house and Amy is immediately like, that's Henry Niles. I want him out yeah, of his he's house. He's not staying in his house. Yeah. And David's like, he's hurt. And she's like, and we so have a, uh, we have a responsibility of care until the doctor gets right. There. He's got this humanitarian idea mm-hmm. where he, David still believes that he is in civilization. And he doesn't. Fuck, he doesn't yeah, realize. He doesn't realize this is not civilization uh-uh. at all. You are in the jungle, sir. So, Amy is. I I like there. Uh, I have a twofold reading of why she wants him out of the house. One, Henry Niles is bait that will draw the cruel men yep. to her house. Yeah. But also, Henry Niles is a sick and cruel man. Yeah. I think, I think there are both things going on. Because he does attack her later. Yes, he does. I think that for, for her, I think it's definitely both things. One, I don't want this fucking pedophile in my house. And if that were the only thing going on, that would be bad enough. But two, I've also got this thing going on where I know that where I got, these horrible yeah. men are going to be coming looking for him. And they already did horrible things to me in this house. So you're, I think it's both things. So I want to... From this point till the end of the movie is the bloodbath. This is the bloodbath. David is going to kill every single person who comes to his house. But I want to skip ahead and talk about the problem of the Niles. The problem of of Niles? Yeah. Okay. My my question is, David is defending Amy and Niles. Yes. Ostensibly. Now, I've seen a lot of criticism that say that what David's actually doing is he's becoming the Western hero, or if you want to read it a different way, according to I'm not going to tag him with that word. There's, what the hell is her name? There's a woman who called him, yeah, Pauline Kael is the film critic who called this the first American film that is a fascist work of art. So, but he is, he's doing that which the American hero always does, which is defend his territory. Yep, board up the thing and then you get your six shooters out. So some film critics say that, the that David's not actually defending Niles and Amy. He's defending his house. No, that he even says that. I will not allow violence in You don't this come house. in here. There's a moment where he... It's not even his house. He actually says, it's I will not... his wife's... He, well, he he says, I will not allow violence against, against this house, this house. Right, which is okay. a really interesting line because it's not, I won't let them hurt you. Right. I'm not going to let them into my house or it's into this house. this house. He's so, yes, there, I think that's an interesting read. He has staked his territory and the territory mm-hmm. is what he's defending. It doesn't matter what's in it. It's not her. I'm the, it's not me. I'm defending my it wife. Could, yeah. I'm defending my kids. I'm defending the. No, it's, I'm defending not this. Allow, this is my he state. Says, I'm going. I'm, I will not allow violence against, against this, this house. house. Right. So it's a little. It's like he's got his little slice, and he's not going to let anyone fuck with his slice. Mm-hmm. The other reading that I read, Dustin Hoffman thinks it's important that Niles was a stranger, because that forces David to take a moral stand, where it doesn't matter if the human life is a shitty one. Where it's they, a human. That makes a lot of sense. That's how he read his motivation. Is look, there's no personal connection with these people. Yeah, he's like, he's there's no personal connection between David and and Niles. And it's important to note that when David, quote unquote, he doesn't ride off into the sunset. He rides off into the dark, mm-hmm. into the fog. Yes. He doesn't ride off into the. I'll call it riding off into the sunset because that's kind of the parallel. It's that unforgiving thing of riding one, into yeah. the dark. 
he doesn't ride off into the sunset with his wife. He rides off into the sunset with, with Niles. Niles. He rides off. He rides off into the dark with a pedophile murderer. Yep, with a huge smile on his face. Yeah, and th- I mean, and we'll talk about the last line at the very end, mm-hmm. but but that show that really goes to show like where his priorities are. He's not defending Amy, and I, according to Dustin Hoffman, I kind of like his read too. He's not even defending the house. He's Niles represents a moral principle. And David realizes that he's been running from his moral principles and has been a coward. And he's like, I value... weird chance at redemption. You know what's really fucked is his moral is, I value innocent human life. And in order to defend human life, he kills six people. Brutally. Brutally kills six people. (laughs) So that was my big problem. I said, Niles... My note says, Niles is a pedophile. Niles killed a girl. And Niles cost six more lives. Was Niles worth saving? Um, so yeah, so then, you know, I, I honestly do the way that I choose to read it. And I think there's a a room for interpretation Mm -hmm. is that David is defending a moral and he's able to defend that moral by, by, uh, (laughs) violating it basically. Yeah. I believe in the sanctity of human life. He's able to murder six people because they talk about it in two interviews about Peck and Paw. The ends always justify the means at the end of the day is like there. I, I didn't, showed you. I didn't let them kill this He's innocent surrounded man. Surrounded by bodies. Surrounded by cor- just fucking mutilated, horribly mangled corpses. And he's just like, ha, kept Niles yeah, safe. Yep, I got them all. Um, and then I wrote down, so I said in broad terms to defend his pacifistic morality, he had to utterly eradicate those who held a position in opposition to his. He had to kill the violent men to ensure peace. Jesus he destroyed Christ. his principles to defend his principles. This is fucked up. This is one of those weird, like... That's why I say nihilism. Yeah. This, this David's moral struggle in this moment, I think this is one of the most important parts of the last third of this movie. David's David's struggle, his moral struggle, is exactly the audience's moral struggle in the rest of the film. Any position you try to take, this film has an opposing position ready to destroy what you are trying to do. For example, when we look at Amy and we're like, wow. Amy's got nice. Oh no, we're POV right. with the rapists. Right. So now you, you've aligned yourself with rapists. Yeah. Then you align yourself against rapists with Amy. But then Amy's betraying David left and fucking right. And even in this last scene, she almost she, she almost gets him killed. She she essentially tries to get David killed yeah, repeatedly by letting them in. So you can't align with Amy, but you can align with David. And that's what David's doing here. Is he's like, here's my stance. Life is sacred. And this movie forces him to kill six people yeah. to defend that. <laughs> this whole this movie is is beautiful. That's it's it's bleak as shit. It's super dark. It's really fucked up. But you're but caught that's in und, it. That is undeniably did, beautiful. Uh, to, to be able to set that up. Yeah. This the the way this film is structured, yeah. the way that this house was built, is so brilliant. You can't not admire it, yeah. even though it makes you feel like scum the whole time. There's an elegance. I kind of admire it for that reason, yeah, too. There's an elegance to it that is really hard to deny. My second note, That's and this weird. this is more maybe more controversial. I wrote down, is Amy worth defending? Yes. You think so? My, I she might be a shitty person, but... What I was saying is, because there's two worlds in this film, and I don't think Amy actually belongs in David. There's like a line, and David's on one well, side and the men are on the other. Right, right. I think if Amy just left, she'd be okay. Like, 
I don't mean okay. I mean, she'd be in the hands of her rapists again. Right. But I don't think they'd kill her. I, I don't, don't think they would either, because she's kind of like family. I mean, she's from there. That's... Right. I don't think she would have been killed. She would have gone out and been like, I can't get him to let Niles go, but I'm with you guys. I don't want any part yeah, of this. I think that her part of the violent, that would have been, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So I, I don't mean like, well, Niles is worth defending because he's a stranger, but fuck Amy. I, like, no, no, no. I, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm saying that David... Like it's it's in it's an odd note for me for David to protect Amy, because, but that they're not even it's not even really a marriage it's just this idea of a relationship. Mm-hmm. They have they have no connection between them at all. The whole I thought this was really really interesting. I've never seen this in a movie before. But during the whole assault, she never helps him once. And the opposite. She shoots She's like, the guy. I need you to t- turn the lights on upstairs. They won't be. And she doesn't. And he's like, "Can you go fucking turn the lights?" She on? She actually tells him, "No, I won't help you." Yeah. And then she goes upstairs. He saves her from being attacked by Niles. And he's like, "Look, I need. Uh, here's what I need from you. I just saved your life two times in a row. Mm-hmm. So here's what I need because I'm gonna take these guys on." And she goes, "I already told you, I'm not gonna help you, Amy." This is why I say this, man. This is why I say I don't think Amy's worth defending. Mm-hmm. She works against him the entire time he's trying to defend the house. Yeah. She's essentially one of the guys on the Working inside. Working him on the inside, yeah. I yeah. got that sense She's too. She's utterly like, a confederate. You're going, you're going to cause this right. to go south. Amy's, I mean, you're, you're part of the there's, problem. I know she calls for David, but she also calls for she Charlie. Calls for Charlie, too. And she, she calls out in anguish when Charlie's killed. Honestly, I think Amy's loyalties are fairly clear, and it's not to her husband no. or her house. Because as, as soon as she is shown the opportunity to leave, she does. She goes. She's for like, it. oh yeah, fucking, fucking yeah, I'll leave. Actually, I'm gonna say I'm wrong. David doesn't actually defend Amy. He keeps her in the house. He forces her into the he house. Does force she her to tries to leave several you times. You know, that's right. You're absolutely. He does try. She's like, you know, to leave, then fine, I'll go. He's like, no. Yeah, so he, is. he even tells her, her. He's, he's keep, keeping her trapped in the he's house. He's essentially kept her trapped Not in for the her house. protection, I don't think. I think I agree with you. I think that that's, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's defending Amy at all. I, I think, think he's keeping her trapped in the house. In an, To word it in another way. In a sort of fucking way. In a, to word it another way, I think he's keeping a firm grasp on his property. Absolutely. That is, yes, that is what that is. And again, absolutely. all in the context of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie is but no, exhausting. That's, that is, that's what, it's, he's keeping that's what he's his doing. property. He's keeping no, his property. No, you can't have, this is my property. Yeah, because when, because Charlie tries to, now this is weird, because it, no, I was going to say it's weird because Charlie comes over to the window and is basically like, Amy, love, go and get us, Henry. You come on out. You'll be kept you'll safe. Be and she's like, awesome. Absolutely. Yep, good to go. And David's like, fuck that. And he keeps her from leaving. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like, oh, that takes agency from Amy. But Peckinbaugh hasn't given Amy any agency. Amy doesn't agency. have any agency. Not at this point. She do- Through a lot of the movies, she does. Absolutely but not, not here. Yeah. It's kind of out of her hands. She's she's just trying to side with the strongest male in mm-hmm. this scenes, basically. Because eventually, eventually she doesn't stand up to David anymore. Once he's killed everyone else, she's yeah. like, there's a weird begrudging moment. She's horrified and sad because she knew all these people. But at the same time, there is a weird moment where she does one time follow his orders and mm-hmm. shoot that guy because David's killed five people. And she's yeah. like, Oh, he's the alpha for it's, a hot, for a hot second. I thought she was going to kill him with the shotgun. I did too. too. I did too. Um, but and yeah, that was the second of the two horror movie moments. There's a, there's a moment where David, tests her 
And he goes, if you want to leave, go ahead and leave. That's what, that's what I was talking about. He unlocks the door. He unlocks the door and she goes. She goes for she it. She opens the door and then he grabs her and slaps her in the face. Like, yep. I see where you lie. You know, yep. like I see where your loyalties lie, but you're mine. You're staying yep. here. It's really, there's no one to love in this movie, man. And that's, it's right after that when he says, you do what you're told. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no one to love. All right. So the men all show up at David's house. We're going to dive back now. I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about Niles and Amy because that's our setup and they're the most problematic part of the end yeah, of this movie sure. for me. Cause it's like, it's like a rapist and a traitor and that's who he defends. Yeah. Cause you know? on the outside of it, it's people just trying to get in and it's like your defend your homestead thing. But on the inside of the house is this weird fucking like Does some strange part of you feel like Tom and Charlie are justified in, t- in, in trying, trying to, to kill get... Henry Niles. Yeah. It's weird, right? And yeah. If this was I a western, want to, I want him to kill Tom. If or I want to, them to kill, kill Niles. Niles. Yeah. If this was any, if this was a western or an action movie, you, this is Clint Eastwood on the outside of the house, yeah. and it's the bad guys on the yeah, inside. Exactly, they're Tom, harboring the pedophiles. This, cool this fucking... is the plot of John Wick. Yeah, John Wick is trying to get to a guy who killed his wife. This is Tom Hedden and Charlie Venner trying to get into a house to get to a guy who killed his his daughter, his daughter. Tom's daughter. Yeah. In any other movie, they would we be justified. The, we are on the outside with these guys, rooting for them to get in. But you to, can't, because two of them are rapists, and right. one of them is a. And then you can't, you can't be on the side of the of the hero defending no his homestead. There are no sides to be on. They're fucking. It's goddamn it. Yeah, because I was just. I actually did. That hadn't occurred to me until we were talking yeah. about it just now. But I was like, you know what? Tom in and Charlie movie, have in any other film, they would have a legitimate claim on Henry. The Niles. ones, the ones, his niece and his daughter. Have been has been killed by a known pedophile. Yeah, that is being harbored by this American. By this American. Yeah, we're gonna go get that motherfucker. There's gonna be a lynching now. Like that's that's that and movie. F- yeah, if in any other movie that would be the case. In mm-hmm. the real world, yeah, he has a right to due process for sure. But sure, if this is a western, yeah, no way. Tom and Charlie are your good guys now. That's John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and they're kicking the fucking door down. Right, and except except in this one, uh, <laughs> except in you know this one. John Wayne's a cop killer and Clint Eastwood's a rapist. Right. This movie leaves you, you no for yeah. Them. There's nowhere to sit, dude. It's nuts. All right, so there's a really interesting moment where they they come into the house and try to take Henry Niles, and David rebuffs them verbally he's basically like look 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 get out of here i'm gonna call the cops are already on their way Mm -hmm. here's what we're gonna do the cops are gonna get here and we'll talk it all through now get out of my house and they listen to him but there's some interesting notes before that um norman scutt the the more violent of the two rapists when david touches his arm he slaps his hand away as though he's been burned and he sticks his finger in david's face and he goes don't you put your hands on me He's standing 10 feet away from a woman who he raped. Mm-hmm. And he's... So I, so this is, I think, is really important. That duet... The, the segregated morality of these men where they're, like, in their head, my body is inviolate, or is, is inviolate, and I will defend it with violence. But if I can take what I want from your wife with violence, who's going to stop me? Right. Don't you ever touch my fucking body. Well, yeah, but you raped that woman. Well, yeah, but she didn't stop me. Right. Fuck. If you touch me, I'll stop you. Right. So she should have stopped me. That's this is Peck this is how Peck and Pop built these people. Yes. Dude, that's My hands are clammy. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> um so the movie at this point, they go outside and Tom's like, What the fuck do you mean you were gonna wait for a doctor? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We're no, going we're in there. Yeah. 
And then the movie turns into the opening shot of children running around in circles around a grave and around a dog and torturing what's in the center of the circle. Mm-hmm. Dude, they you're, you pointed it out. Tricycles. They ride on tricycles. They, they're wearing goofy clothes. They take rocks still. and they they shatter every window in the greenhouse, even though there's no there's one in no the one greenhouse. There's no one in the greenhouse. They're doing it just to. They're doing it just to break glass. Yep. These are they just revert to like thirteen year old boys. And they're laughing, like squeezing the horn. Out yeah, of man. Um, the rat guy, uh, his name's Chris. Yeah. Chris's laugh. It's jokery, but not in that. It's like a. It's like. <laughs> It's it's like hyena almost. Or yeah, like, and it just pervades through these scenes of like they're like running around like oh my god, hear, oh, hey do you want to throw a, hey guys let's throw rocks through this, oh my god we threw yep. rocks through the window it they it literally feels like a group of teenagers yep. like just tormenting they're TPing a house except it's not TP it's it's rocks. rocks yeah it's it's oh man it's really strange um so David I wrote down I have a note about David's weakness they shatter several windows. And then they break one in his kitchen while he's in the kitchen. And he's already, he's still convincing Amy at this point. He's like, we locked the doors. We'll be fine. And a rock comes through the window. And Amy's like, David, you got to do something. And he goes, all right, I'll do something. You've had your fun. I'll give you one more chance. And I'm like, dude, What? what the fuck? But as we've established before, the moment you're like, come on, David, be a man. Now he you've, doesn't. you've aligned yourself with Peckinpah's sensibilities of what a man is. Fuck me, god damn it. <laughs> it's terrible, dude. So just I got no I got nowhere to hide. So there's a really interesting moment. Remember just before this, Charlie remember so David touches Norman and Norman mm-hmm. slaps his hand and he's like, Don't you ever fucking touch me. The next thing that happens is Charlie starts jabbing his hand into David's chest, working him back towards the bar. Mm-hmm. And David slaps Charlie's hand, and Charlie doesn't give a shit. About his hand getting slapped His hand gets slapped And he puts it right back In David's chest And then David slaps it And Okay we're talking about the movie I'm using these terms Because this is this is the These are the terms That these men operate under But it's very womanly The way that David Oh yeah Lightly yeah. I know that that's a I know that, that in the real world That's a sexist term But in this world of machismo That's That's The perception that we're getting mm-hmm. Is David is like doing this womanly slap As Charlie physically dominates him into a corner And there's a moment I think it's kind of It's really really interesting Where David slaps Charlie's hand And Chris the rat catcher guy Is standing right there And he slaps Charlie's hand Yeah too. that's right yeah <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just to, utterly mocking yep. David David you realize how f- totally powerless David is When Chris slaps Charlie's yep. hand You're like oh, oh Dude you, sh- you just look stupid you look so, stupid. You look yeah, <laughs> you look stupid and weak. God, it's like it's like watching a like a hurt like a wounded bird try to look big. Yeah, or something. And it's trying like and its wing isn't working. Yeah, it's like the it. littlest dog on the at the dog park, surrounded mm-hmm. by like five huge angry dogs, just being like, right. "You better get away from me!" And you're just like, "You're fucked." No, you're fucked. Buddy. Uh, there's nothing you can do. You can't even run. There's no shells in that gun, you know. Right. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> um. Yeah, so there had, there's a we we hit a, the next moral establishment where basically there's a turn here's the turning point for David. The turning point for David, he's got all the doors locked, he feels fairly safe, the major's on his way. And Amy is halfway upstairs and he's going downstairs to double check the locks and Amy goes, "I want him out of my house." Niles. Mm-hmm. And David turns around and he's like, "They'll they will beat him to death." And she goes, I don't care. 
and he's like you don't. he looks at her and he like goes takes two steps down the stairs and looks back up and he goes you really don't care do you he it dawns on him he has that realization where he's like she is from here mm-hmm. she is one of those men out there she just happens to be a woman mm-hmm. like her morality is in line with theirs because it truly when you see Aunt susan george's performance when you see her face she, she does doesn't not care she at doesn't all. care She's and Feed him to the wolves Don't care Part of it is that Petulant child thing Because David's not Listening to him And part of it is Petulant child Because she's scared and, yeah. and pouting to hide her fear But the other part of it Is simply like I don't understand Why you're making Such a big deal of this Why don't you just Let them kill this mm-hmm. guy Then it's over right. And da- that's when David goes, uh, he goes, she, he goes You really don't care Do you And she goes No I don't like she doesn't. You could have left even it a quiet. Moment of like, so she's she's like, like, no, no I, I do don't. Not care. I just told you I don't care. It's really, really, it's really wild, <laughs> um, because yeah. So the da- that's where David makes his stand because he he goes, well, I do care. I will not allow violence against this house. Right. The second he says that, it's game on. Mm-hmm. Um, sheriff shows up. And he's like, All right, boys. oh, David, well, why don't you put the kettle on? I'll r- roust these ruffians yeah. away from you. And you're just like, I don't think uh, you're going to do that. that. You're so he's tonight, like, buddy. I'll be right back in. Oh, had, b- pleasure to see you, Amy. Get some tea and biscuits. I'm the major. And he goes outside. And I'm I'm only mocking him because it's so fucking laughable that he's going to do anything. anything? Yeah. Stands right in front of Tom in his, like, kind of foppish, like, yeah. coat over his shoulders. And he goes, all right, Tom, clear out. You clear off. And I'm like, they've shattered dozens of windows. The thing is destroyed. They've yep. all got guns. You're going to tell them to go home? It's all right. You're out of here. Fun. Get out of here. Now. Why don't you just. Ar- yeah, like, where. Oh, okay. Again, in the masculine world of Peckinpah, it's like, where are your balls, bro? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you. If you're going to stand out here with these men, you're going to need to. You're going to need to be... You're going to need to be a peck and paw man to fuck with these guys. Yes. And you're just not, dude. Yeah. He's like, he does that weird aloof superiority thing. Yep. And he goes, give me that gun, Tom. And he pulls the barrel into his own stomach. And you're like... That's not a good place for that to no, be. No, you're going to not want to point that at you. You might want to not point, have that there. That's going to be... Anywhere else will be better you're gonna than that. going to have a fourth stomach. So what does Tom do? Tom pulls the trigger sure and blows that fucking dude in half. He's like, all right. He's like, sure, let's do it. Blam. That guy flies back. The effects, we got to point it out. Yeah, yeah. All of the effects are awesome. Yes. Everything is well executed. It's gory as shit. It's not even that like Tarantino, like paint bucket no, blood. It's like, like it's like, oh, you see like ribs and mm-hmm. shit. He's like, boom. And he flies <laughs> back and hits the ground. And that's when David is like, oh, oh no. Oh, they're going to kill us. Oh wait a minute! Oh, these men are what? These men They're aren't nice real people. Violence, yeah. These are yeah. When he sees real, true violence outside his window, I think this is especially important because David fled the United States to flee Vietnam, and here he is watching people get gunned down yep. right outside his house. There's a great line in one of the essays which is basically says like this movie is a critique of of uh, like the average American citizens. Like keeping horror at an arm's length, it's like, well, I'm gonna run away from the war. Mm-hmm. And the line in the sometimes the war li- finds you. Maybe. Well, the line in the essay is like, you think you're better than us, American? I bet you'll f- or you'll find yourself a war before sunset. It's exactly what happens. I know. I loved that line, but um. So yeah, they 
I wrote I wrote down uh, the old man shooting or Tom shooting the sheriff is with both barrels is the ultimate underscore of the impotence of nonviolent resistance. The major had no fangs. He was just a figurehead. I said Peckinpah's power in the world of Peckinpah mm-hmm. power is in your hand, your teeth and your fist. And that's so the rest of the movie just underscores it. That whole talking is done. There is, there is no more talking. Really. They like they trade. They'll talk to each They'll, other. But yeah, but there's it's not, no more like you've had your fun. Time for reason, David. No. This is when David starts like precinct thirteening his yep. house. Yeah, he's like he's putting fucking kettles of oil on the stove to get them to a boil. Yeah, he boil. He's he's he, putting wire on the windows. He's the, preparing. It's he's like copper pulling, wire, right? Yep, copper wire. He's That's pulling really, the man trap off of the wall. Yeah, she He's uh, preparing for real battle. Where before, I, I think that he was just thinking that it was gonna be. Yeah, wait for the law to arrive. They're just gonna break windows. And then the law shows up, and he realizes, like, wait a oh, minute. Oh wait, the law is just like me. I yeah, need. To- and if they're willing to kill the magistrate, then who the fuck am I? It's almost like David sort of watches a symbolic death of part of himself. Mm-hmm. That lawful, orderly. It's completely gone. Because he, what his whole thing was like. Well, Niles deserves a fair trial. He'll mm-hmm. get his day in court. When he sees that man shot, he's like, "Oh right," or not even "Oh right." He just realizes there's a moment where society in is is just took society took two two to the two to Mm -hmm. the chest just now yep and he realizes oh i have to there are other rules yes and i need to learn them very quickly like right now and he does david tells because this is when he tells amy to go upstairs yes he turns off all the lights downstairs and he's like turn on all the lights upstairs no and she goes no i won't and he goes this is when david screams for the first time this is the first time we hear david yell in the whole movie the whole rest of the time he's like well, I think we could just be reasonable and we can all come to an agreement. This is the first time where he goes, go upstairs and turn the lights off. And I wrote down, this is for the first time David roars because he is learning the rules of this world of violence. And then he goes up testing his roar out. He goes upstairs. It's a pretty good one because Dustin Hoffman's got a low, that He's low got a voice, voice, man. When he goes upstairs, Amy does go upstairs, but she's basically like, I'm going to go and get Niles and bring him out to the people. So Niles attacks her. Of course he does. Because one, Niles is a simple psychopath uh, who's like kind of sick. And I'm not and, really sure he knows exactly what the fuck's going on either. And two, she's trying to take him outside. So he's like, yeah. fuck you. I don't want to go out there. Bunch they of dudes. They just killed, killed the somebody. sheriff. Yeah. yeah. So that's the. After David saves her from. This is awesome, dude. There's a moment where. Um, di- where. Uh, I don't know if it's here or later, but when. The, when Niles is attacking Amy mm-hmm. oh my god he's attacking her and David I think it's later but I wanted to point this there's a moment where he drags Niles off Amy and turns him around and slaps him in the face twice front hand backhand and then grabs his face with both hands to force him to look into his eyes and he mm-hmm. shakes his head mm-hmm. that head shake that scene holding Niles's yes. face and shaking his head his face like is saying, no, emotionally no, no. dead. Like, David has no expression. It's not like, you stay away from my wife. It's just a very simple, like, I slapped you twice and he's shaking his head. He's like, no, Mm-mm. we don't do that. Right. And Niles, because we've seen his brother do that, slap him and then pat his cheek and, okay, well, let's get you home. David, it's that sort of David's fatherly. just like, blam, blam. And then that dude, it's, without seeing it, that is one of my favorite moments in this movie is just watching him holding Niles' face and shaking his head. Something about that tableau, the yes. simplicity, the primal nature of that. Oh, God, it was such a good moment. And then he takes Niles to the attic and locks him in. Niles is utterly cowed. And you know what it is? We've not seen David 
exercise at that point in the movie we haven't seen david exercise authority or dominance in close quarters we've seen him like setting up traps and right yeah he hasn't he hasn't done anything yet though this is david david took his hand and he struck another person and then threw just a simple head shake and that guy caved niles caved in the face of that. that dominance you've never seen david do it that might be why it sticks with me because it yeah, might be that's his David's moment of yeah. There's him actual right that's, violence I, and yeah and asserting a dominance. There's something more violent about the head shake mm-hmm. than about the bear trap or the man trap. Yeah, and the because shotgun. that is a you're not using a physical just that force is of your will. Force of will. Yeah, right. yeah. It's just you're imp- you are imposing your will on someone else and they go for it. Mm-hmm. And we've never seen David do that. That was a really that moment really stuck with me. I loved that. Um, so this note is actually not important. Do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, this, we already said that there's the tricycle scene that we already talked about. See, this is going to be fine. It's fine. Um, there's the, some other shit happens that the, we basically cut to the outside where the kids are, the kids, you know, they seriously, are, the kids they're are running around running breaking around. windows. Half of the assault on the house felt like they just took B unit and they're like, go fuck some shit up and act like hey, children. We found some tricycles. See if you can come up with some fun shit. Right on some tricycles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, in a good way, it feels mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of it's just like them playing. Yeah, exactly. Which is so disturbing. It is really fucking disturbing. So this is the moment when, do you remember Justin, Dustin, Justin, do you remember Dustin Hoffman's low speech to Amy that's after she tries to get out of the house and he brings her, mm-hmm. he's like, you go and go ahead and leave. Right. And she's like, fine. And he's like, no, and slaps her and he sits her down and he kneels in front of oh, her. Oh, they get in here, they will kill us. Yeah. It's it, it, the, the actual line. He did. There's like four lines that he says. He's basically like, this is no joke, Amy. And it's that Dustin Hoffman yeah. ass voice really quiet. But my, the moment there's the big pause he in my head it lives as like two three seconds of him just looking at her and at the end of it he goes we're dead if they get in do you understand that and she's just like oh Oh, this isn't david that i married right even then she doesn't stop trying to fuck him over even then god and then you're stuck in this weird place where you're not liking someone that was a victim of a thing but it's like fuck she's not being helpful at all this after he slaps her by the way before that speech he says if you try to get out again i'll break your neck i'll break your neck yeah he threatens her and i don't think i think he i think he fucking means it you fucking totally believe it so you try to do that again i will break your fucking neck uh, yeah he says if you try and get out again i'll break your neck right and you're like she you can see her she's like like, oh "Oh." he's again he you're right we i'm glad we came to that to that thing earlier he's definitely not protecting amy no he's not he's not defending amy at all because he's willing to kill her yeah if if you they're not gonna get you if you want to go out there i will kill you first you You are mine i will kill you before i give you to them that's bleak as shit carl So it's Pixar month next month, right? We're yeah, gonna we're going like to do Toy Bugs Story Life 3 and... and The Secret of Nim. Oh, that'd be great. No, those are fucking dark movies, no, dude. Like Secret of Nim. But yeah, they Toy are. Toy Story 3, Schindler's Toy Box. Schindler's Toy Box. It's not mine. Ralph Garman calls it that. That's dude, that movie, that movie made me cry. I cried like a... Mm. We don't want to watch Pixar movies. No, as it Wally turns out, makes me cry. God damn it! There's no safe place anymore. <laughs> there isn't. You know what we need to do? Scooby Doo. Where are you, Scooby Doo? Season one. Season one. The OG. Just, uh, I'm down. I'll watch it. Fucking let's do. It. I'll I need watch it after anything this shit. but Straw Dogs again. 
<laughs> um, this is so right after this, right after David slaps her and says, if you try to go outside, I'll break your neck. If they get in here, we're dead. Do you understand me? That is when Charlie sticks his face in the window and he's like, Amy, love, if you get us that rapist murderer upstairs and you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. That pedophile is true. Yeah, murderer yeah, yeah. is upstairs. Mm. If you get us the pedophile murderer. Fucker. I know. Still Chinese beetles are killing me. Do you see where you go? Bird, will you right get him? by the door lock. Their window he's lock. basically like. Bird is our if, hero. Yeah, Bird's been sniping these beetles for us for two days. But he's basically like, if you go get him, come on out. I'll keep you safe. Amy, without a hesitation. Like, okay, I'll do that for you. Gotcha, Charlie. On my way. David was. David just told you he would kill you if you did this. Break your neck. So yeah, there's. Tell tell me where her where her loyalties lie. I don't think she has any. Yeah, is she just now? I was wondering. Do you think this is Amy fleeing towards the domestic space where she feels like David has now become a hyper violent mm-hmm. man? Charlie, the is, safe place is now on the outside. Maybe Charlie. I think that, safer. that is it. Yeah. You think that's a good uh, yeah, read? I, yeah, because I don't think that it's a loyalty thing. I think is where am I the most safe and least likely to get fucking killed? I have an, actually an interesting note about that, which is kind of sad. Which is um, with the rapists. Which yeah. Is really fucking. I don't know exactly where the note is, but I, I think it's kind of interesting. Amy does. I don't know where. Fuck. I have a note just specifically on it. Um. Oh, here it is. It's. I took the note when Amy shot the last man who's trying to break David's back. Yeah. So that's stairs. where my okay. this note falls, but it's very relevant to this moment with Charlie. I said, um, Amy hesitates to shoot this final man, only firing when David tells her to. She doesn't feel like the, uh, this moment doesn't feel like a reclamation of agency for David or for Amy. For Amy, not at all. When Charlie told her to come outside and give them Niles, she tried to do that too. Amy goes with whomever is strongest, whoever offers her protection, and she does what she needs to to stop feeling discomfort or pain. Mm -hmm. Um, So I said, if it were Charlie killing David, she never would have pulled the trigger, but this final man is a stranger to her, so David is the safer choice. Makes sense, yeah, because this is an unknown. In In kind of a sad way, kind of an like a disturbing way, Amy does whatever she has to to avoid these men hurting her mm-hmm. and Peckinpah doesn't present that to us so that we feel sympathy. It's not a sympathetic thing. No, not, not, not it's at all. seen as a, he presents it to Cause that's, that's a reasonable human response. Yeah. If I side with, if I give them what they want, maybe they won't rape me again. If I, if I stay with David, maybe he'll be able to stop me from these men raping right. me. Maybe I'll go out there and that'll stop David from breaking my neck. Amy's trying to stop violent men from, from hurting. Doing, and that's from, a that's that's, that's a fair. Yeah, that's right? an absolutely understandable impulse. But Peckinpah displays it to us as being a despicable that we don't like Amy for it. Yeah. In the in the movie, the way that it's the way that it's presented to us is, is it is a negative. Amy should be a firmer this stuff. A fucking minefield, man. It really is. There's nowhere to step, dude. Mm-mm. It's because the way that he shows it to us, the way that we are shown David, who is still a, dis- a despicable character. Yeah. <laughs> the way that we're shown all these men, you think to yourself, the the movie kind of forces you into. 
Well, Amy should pick a side. Amy doesn't stand for anything. Amy's uh, a traitor. Have her husband's back. Right. Amy. Yeah. Amy should take the. You know, she should have stronger morals. Why is she being so wishy-washy? But her impulse is totally accurate. She's surrounded, She's by, surrounded insane by insane men. Insane violent. Yeah. Men. Yeah. Super violent men who are All basically who completely and, off the rails. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So she's looking for the only wherever she can go that won't end up with her dead the, or get raped again. Yeah, the path of least pain and suffering. And which make right, you say it out loud, makes total sense. Watching this movie, you're like, well, fuck you, Amy. Yeah. Fuck Jesus. It's man. really weird, dude. Because we're talking about it now and in an intellectual standpoint. Amy's position is the most reasonable. It absolutely which is. Which is just go wherever they're not like, going to kill they you. They want this guy or they're going to kill Then give him this fucking guy. Give him the guy. Give him the guy. You're going to break my neck? I'm oh. safe outside? I'll go outside. You're going to... You said... David, you said you're going to kill me? Well, I'll go hang out with Charlie. Because right. Charlie, he hurt me really bad earlier, but he didn't kill me. Right. And you're saying you're going to kill me. And he's offering safety right now. Right. So, And I've known him longer than I've known you. So, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he's Me and him go way back. You're kind of new. Um... Which is another fucked up like thing. What did you Jesus think of Christ. the? There's the moment. So here's where all the traps and shit are. It's my last page of notes. We're doing pretty Sweet. good. Um, oh, we've got it. So David catches Mr. Scut with copper wire. Yes, that was one of the coolest, I fucking gnarliest scenes I've ever that. seen. Because the glass of the window is well, poking. He sticks his hand through the wind glass. Oh yeah, yeah. And David catches it like in the copper wire, like a snare, and then ropes his hand. Like pull, the, he pulls his hand all the way through the window and then ropes his hand mm-hmm. or like wires his hand to the window and then sticks a knife right, right against his, his neck. Yep. And like it doesn't like go into his neck. But yet. it's he's like right got the there. knife pressed on him and he goes, if you move, I'll, I'll slit your throat. And, and it's you that believe him. dude, it's that deep ass Dustin Hoffman. It's not an empty threat. And it's, it's not, not David being his tone of uh, voice changes. It does. Yeah. Where he's like, he becomes like predatory. And yeah. Like, like early David's like, well, can you? Because God, you know, there's never been more bloodshed than in But when he's got that knife, he's like, if oh, you move, I'll you. slit your throat. Yeah. And the, uh, Norman's got his he's neck like, down. Okay, he's like, give me your other hand slowly. He's like, all right. He gives him his other hand. Copper wires his hands together. And he goes, am I hurting you, Mr. Scut? And the guy is, goes, my neck's on the glass. And David goes, good. Good. I hope you slit your throat. And he walks and away. He walks away. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's got Scott like pulled through the window in such and a way that broken glass that's underneath, like right, uh, like under his neck. He's right? laying. Yeah, he's it, yeah. laying on the broken bottom of the pane. His neck is pressed into the window glass, and he's like, he's tied that way. So he's like, if I move much, my I'm gonna cut myself. Open. I'm gonna cut my neck open. And David's like, good, good. and he leaves. Dude, that uh. This is this is where this is it. There's a moment too when David's wiring him God, to there he's where he it. Yeah. There's a moment where you see his face and he really is in, he's enjoying what he's doing. Yeah, it's when it's when he he beats the I think his rat catcher guy a couple of times with the 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 fire poker. Did we get there yet? Uh, oh, probably not. There's a uh, No, we're not quite there yet. I you want to talk about when he kills Chris? Yeah. The rat catcher guy? We'll yeah. skip ahead and go back cuz the Chris thing is actually really fun. Chris is the name of the rat catcher. Yeah, fair enough. He gets in and he's got his fake nose on and he's really scared. Yeah. Cuz to give you context, and it makes more sense if we go lo- go straight Let's through. Go straight. Yeah, okay. Do. So the next one the next one is when Nile. Uh, so what actually happens here is when Niles attacks Amy and David tears him off. I had my timeline screwed That's up. Okay. This is when he does the head shake. Yeah. 
Then he hears windows break, runs back downstairs, grabs the boiling oil off the stove, and sees that uh, Tom and one of the other guys have lit have the curtains, lit the curtains on, fire. on fire. So he, they can't see through the smoke. So that he pushes up a door and then ducks, and they see motion through the smoke, so and they they shoot, they through, shoot the through the table. Yeah. And now that their guns are empty, when the table falls back down, David flings two pots of boiling oil through the open window and burns Norman because Norman's been freed at this point. I think it's Charlie. Oh no, it's Charlie, the stranger, and Tom. Yeah, get fucking boiling, oil. bubbling oil in the face. And they're like, oh, fucking shit. And yeah. they hit the ground <laughs> like, and you're like, hot. have you noticed that our tone discussing the hyper violent bits of the movie has changed? Yeah, sure has. It's kind of delight. We've got delight we, in our voice. Yeah, we do. Which Peckham. How fucking weird is that? And normally this wouldn't bother me. But since this is a movie about how men glorify violence. Yeah. It's kind of it's fucking, kind of fucking weird, isn't it? I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> This is what do you think about that? I just I, noticed I it because I, I was like, they got boiling oil I in got, the face. I noticed it like two seconds before you said something. It's like we're getting kind of giddy about it. Yeah, it's part of I think the giddiness is at this point. We also know we're almost done talking about this movie too. <laughs> yeah, but like let's be real because we wanted to be on super honest in no, this episode. That's an excuse. It is. The violence is appealing. It is. It's, well, that why do you think we talk about fucking John Wick all the time? Fun, and yeah. horror movies are some of our favorite yeah. genres and. That's this movie's criticism of the male glorification of violence is very apt, especially given that we've. Because I think that's the reason the end is it's meant to maybe feel a little bit like oh my god, oil in the face, oh my god, glass in the. It like, doesn't, man. It doesn't leave you feeling good. No, sure doesn't. Especially when you feel good and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, get him in the face with the oil, and then you're like, oh, Wait. Ooh. I'm one of these guys. Yep, I'm one of these violent men. It's. Yeah, dude, that's that's rough. Think about that. We're gonna have talked about this movie at the end when then we're done for about six hours. Yes. And when we got to the violent bits, the bit that the, the film is meant violent, to criticize, yeah. one of the most violent sequences we've seen, probably. We were immediately like, "Oh, we know this territory, <laughs> right?" This, oh my god, dude. Uh, the. Uh, I have to go to church on Sunday. So they boiling oil these guys in the face, Tom goes around the back of the house and tries to climb in through a window because he's he's basically just broken. He's gone into a complete rage. Yeah. He needs to get Henry Niles. So he's got his shotgun. And he comes in through the window and he's walking and he's got his shotgun pointed forward and David's hiding just, just on the other side of the wall and he grabs the shotgun and points it straight down and Tom jerks the trigger and blows his feet off. Yeah, blows his fucking feet off. Special effects department massive shout out his feet his blown apart feet look so oh my god dude that was the cloth is sort of burned into the yeah there's like yeah there's there's powder burns on the shoes you can see you can see like tendons and bones dude it is very very graphic and Um, the reaction of the actor playing tom to that is is, good you see the shock set in like it's yeah, we 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 talked about this uh, last episode. The the showing people in pain mm-hmm. rather than just like any other movie, he would be like, oh, God, oh, I shot my foot," or he'd be like, oh, "And he'd faint." In this movie, he's like, he it's like he, you watch you watch him go into shock. Yeah, where you, he's you, like, you watch oh, the shock. Oh, 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 and then he his face he, he like look can't look on any, at anything. He can't focus, and he is in 
agony. Yes. So, I oh, it, this is not a moment in John Wick. John Wick like puts a knife through a dude's mouth. You're like, yeah. yeah. This I hate Tom. You of course you fucking, fucking hate, Tom. hate Tom. He's yeah. been one of the most loathsome characters in the whole movie. But when he gets his feet shot off, you're like, cut away from his face. Like, come on, right. show me something else. I yep. don't want to watch this. Like, you see the effect, and you're because like, at the same time, like he is trying to get the the murder of his daughter. Yeah, again, we, again, any other film, he's totally the good guy. Yeah, but he's not the good guy. No, he sure isn't. But he should be. <laughs> but yeah, you see the effect, and you're like, oh man, that was crazy. But boy, then they show you his face, and you're like. Oh, no, don't want to see that. Show me his feet okay. again, or yep. show me show me show me the practical effect again. I'm fine with that. Or or even even worse, you know what's weird? Because we're watching him die in a way. He is gonna die of shock. Mm-hmm. My first impulse is show me another kill. Show yeah, me, show me. Yeah, can we get go? go we're to the watching next one. a kill. Yeah, that's what's important. Peck and paw. My impulse is like, give me some bullets and some bodies. Show me another guy getting wasted. But that's not what a kill is. No. A kill, kill is, is this slow. dude going into yeah. shock and in agony. Yep. So if you, it's going to take some time. Yeah. It's Peck and Pa being like, you you asked to me to show you people getting killed. This is what it looks like. Keep watching. And I'm like, because, dude, I, yeah, my, I, talking to you just now, I was like, show me another kill. But I'm like, this is a kill. Yep. We're just. You asked for it. Here it is. We're just really watching one. Mm-hmm. I, I want John Wick. I want blam, blam, blam. Three bodies are down. Blam, another guy's down. Yep. Oh, let's have a kung fu sequence. No, no, no. Peck and Paw's like, no, oh, got- okay, he shot three guys. I'm gonna go and watch their faces while they struggle to breathe, while their lungs are collapsing. Man, he's losing a lot of blood. Look how scared mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. Oh, this guy's trying to get a picture of his kids out of his wallet. You know, like that's what Peck yeah. and Paw is showing you, and it fucks you up so bad, dude. The end of this movie was. It doesn't. I mean, the the effects. This is not like Texas Chainsaw. Oh, of course not. It's no. not that hyper gory shit. But this, it's, it's, it's real, real enough. enough. Yeah, this is this is really like gets you in the solar plexus. Yeah. There's moments where you're like you're sitting on the. You get really quiet. This is not. This is not. Yeah. This yeah, isn't a cheering. Drive and, angry. Yeah. You cheer the whole time Fuck he's yeah, killing people. <laughs> this movie, like you sit there quietly, almost like in respect. You're like. Oh, it's weird. Yep. It's really weird. This is where the bagpipe music shows up. <laughs> That's right. He turns it on and in, in walks Chris. <laughs> sees the man trap on the floor. He's like, oh, glad I didn't see that. Not quite yet. Scott that. comes in. Oh, is it Scott? Scott comes in first. Because oh, right. Scott comes in with... Uh, he goes he, he comes in with... Uh, oh, is it Norman Scott? Yeah. Scott comes in and David has the shotgun that Tom dropped. And he picks it up. And he goes, you don't come in here. That's David's line, which is a great line. Um, then David goes, uh, I think he's like, that gun's empty. and uh, Or no, Scott goes, that gun's empty. And David clicks both triggers. And Scott's like, ha ha, here I come. And I think it's really interesting because what you expect to happen is, oh no, the gun's empty. David's fucked. Then David beats that dude into unconsciousness. Yes. He just straight up, yeah, he grabs a big ass metal pipe. That's the one I was thinking of. He grabs a, yeah, he grabs a big metal pipe and just beats Scott into. He beats him until he's, and then he, he hits him a couple more times. He doesn't kill him. No. Scott, you're thinking about Chris when he beats Chris to death. He, there's a, the guy who comes through the window is Norman Scott. I don't think he kills him because Norman Scott ends up upstairs. Well, he does go upstairs. That's right. Yeah. So he beats him like pretty bad. And then we find out that Chris has snuck in somewhere else in the house. So this is when he turns around and David, Chris has seen, just seen what he did to Scott. He's seen the guy lose his feet and he's like, this is, 
more intense than I thought it was going to be. This isn't so fun anymore. So he gets that knife out. Does he have a knife? I think he has a knife. knife. And David clips him and he goes down. And when he, there's a one little shot of him like looking up and he's like, I can't believe that this guy's about to kill me. You can see the realization on his face. He's like, I fucking misjudged so bad. You can see the mistake. Yep. And then Dustin Hoffman beats him to death with a metal pipe. So fun note about that. (laughs) (laughs) Hoffman's a pacifist. Yeah. So he was having a lot of trouble actually like beating. They had like a, they were doing like a dummy and they were stuff or whatever. And he was having trouble looking like he was enjoying it. And he wanted David to be enjoying relishing the violence. And he is. He is. So how did he get there? The way they did it was Dustin Hoffman said, I want to beat up a coconut. So they put some coconuts on the ground and he beat coconuts with a metal pipe. He's like, ha ha, coconuts. That's why he looks, oh my he looks happy because he was like, what would I find it funny to hit with a metal pipe? And he's like, I'd love to beat up some coconuts. So what he's actually hitting in those scenes with the weird short strokes is coconuts. And he said that Peckinpah loved it because in a couple of the shots, he would bust the coconut and when the... It the like, pipe flung back, it would throw like that white fleshy stuff, and Peck and Paw thought it looked like skull. That's awesome. So he's like, let's leave it. Fucking the- So love- he's beating coconuts up. That's what he's actually that's kind of that's kind of so he's actually up, killing his coconuts. That kind I know. Of weird shit that you don't he's beating up coconuts. Oh my god. Yeah, and this is some really quick, I want for people who are listening to this, for people who have made it this far in mm-hmm. the straw dogs. The the documentaries are really fun. Mm-hmm. All the people who worked on this movie. Like when you see the guy who plays, yeah, when you see the guy who plays Norman or the guy who plays Charlie, they're not like, well, it was an emotionally damaging scene. scene. They seem so happy and jovial and they have fun remembering the movie. Like all the behind the scenes for Straw Dogs is a blast. Mm -hmm. Everyone, everyone had a good time doing this except for Susan George for about three weeks. Right. Susan George had a, had a really shitty experience for a little while. But she doesn't hold but that. But remembering it back now, she's... She, yeah, she doesn't really harbor any animosity. Like like I said, she, she remembers the film really fondly. And she thinks it was a really important moment in her arc as an actress. But there were three hard weeks for her. Right. But everyone else seemed to have a great time. So this, the behind-the-scenes stuff is legit fun and yeah. funny. The movie itself, Not so much. none of that. Yeah. So Chris is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Chris. Somehow Norman got behind, up the stairs yeah. behind David. While all this is happening, he's like, I'm going to try and rape her again. This is when Charlie comes in. Mm-hmm. Charlie comes in and he's got a shotgun. Yes. And David turns and he's got the pipe. And David has got this little smile on his face now from this point on. Like after he beat Chris to death, he gets this little grin. There's something about that. There's something to be said for Dustin Hoffman's the subtlety of his performance in this movie. There's a lot of little motivations that he plays and there's a lot of subtle shifts that he mm-hmm. plays. And once David goes violent, there's there would have been so easy. It's so to ob- make him like maniacal, maniacal or like enraged or like, yeah, I'm really into this his face covered in blood but and he just didn't, like he didn't, grinning the whole time. He or- didn't do it. He plays he's still recognizable as the David we knew. Yes. Because we've seen this self-satisfied. Which makes it more disturbing if he was maniacal than it's like he is no longer that person. Yeah, His he's, humanity he's is not intro- lost. Right. He's not, he's not, Hoffman's not introducing to us new emotions like maniacal rage. We've seen this little 
satisfied grin on mm-hmm. David before. He's showing us old emotions in a new context where they don't belong. Right. And that is so it's much disturbing. more disturbing. It's yeah, it's 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 awful to watch, but you I personally appreciate it. it. Yeah. Appreciate the hell out of it. Dustin, this is there's a reason that Dustin Hoffman is a famous like a world-renowned actor. Yeah, exactly. This is really a, incredible. This moment when Charlie has the shotgun and David's looking at him and he goes the gun's empty. And he's just like there's something there. There's some new yeah. There's some new flame or like he he realized that his his knuckles are hard too or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, like he realized I can stand with these. So men. I've got one too. Well, his gun's empty. Well, no, oh yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Like he's like he's like, I'm I'm more dangerous than I thought I was. Or right. like you don't scare I'm just as capable. Right. So Charlie's got this gun and he doesn't fucking shy away. And the by the way, the gun guys is loaded as shit. Yeah, sure Both is. barrels are loaded. And he goes, the gun's empty. And he's looking at him. And Charlie goes, is it now? And David goes, why don't you pull it and show me? Even if that Even killed if that, him. Right, yeah. He'd... Now, okay. Again, I would like to step momentarily out of our narrative. That's a really stupid thing to say. Sure is. What David's doing right now is pure machismo. Yes. But Peckinpah's film sucked me in. I, loved, did. I didn't I, I didn't love even, that line yeah. I love that normally like oh that's dumb because if the gun's loaded you just killed yourself you're you dead fucking idiot. right you just died but in this like the I loved it oh. I loved it too because you're you know what the thought is the immediate thought you're like David's you're making that last stand yep. he's not blinking in the face of fear he's a hard man yeah look at him down like oh dude yeah. it's sick and when you think of when you run through your own thought process it kind of fucks you up and makes you feel bit. sick because I'm yeah. sitting here and I'm like he's a tough man now standing down fuck you Charlie pull right. I don't even give a shit but that all of that all chest of that is in the- all that chest thumping and testosterone and right. stupidity is what straw dogs criticize exactly <laughs> you know like how effective is that movie it shows you things that it knows will elicit a specific response right and then makes you feel so bad, bad about, about having that response yeah oh oh it's good but it's good it's good dude yeah, i know Ta- again take that line put it in a clint eastwood 1975 like, yeah, movie <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah yeah just actually here just put clint eastwood in in your head right. and it's just like is it why don't you pull and show me you're and, just like you're like that's dirty fucking hairy <laughs> did i fire six shots or only five but in right? this movie it's like oh you liked that line hmm. mm. you're a lot like these rapists and murderers right Fuck. you were aligned <laughs> with them enjoy your life t <laughs> so i wrote down Amy calls for both David and Charlie. Yes, yeah, she, she yells does. for David and Charlie. You know why? Because Norman is upstairs and trying to rape her again. This is a really interesting During sequence. all of this. Here's why I think this sequence is really interesting. He's upstairs. Niles is one door away. He's supposed to be here for Niles. For Niles. But he's trying to rape Amy again. And when Charlie and David both get upstairs, by the way, not fighting each other. Nope. They both go upstairs. Oh, Amy's in trouble. Together. Hmm. This is further evidence that the men in this movie, their primary objective is to correct sexual wrongs. Right. They're all about this weird woman as property thing. Yeah. Because they both are, they're, David and Charlie's they're b- big protecting thing. protecting their property, not their 
they both think they have a claim to yes. Amy right now because Charlie raped her. That's his claim. David married her. That's his claim. She's in trouble. They both run upstairs to protect their claim on their property. Yes. That's why they're not fighting each other. That's my reading. Your reading? No, absolutely my reading. Norman stands up. Norman doesn't have a gun. Charlie has a gun now. Norman tries to pull the same shit that he pulled earlier when Charlie raped Amy and goes, take him downstairs, Charlie. I'll call you when I'm ready. Right? Yeah. So he's basically, Charlie's standing there with a gun. And we've seen that in that pecking order, that, that bar that order, Norman is, the most, Norman is above yeah. Charlie because he's more violent. And earlier, Norman was able to force Charlie to his will because he possessed a gun. He possessed the phallus, if you want. Right. The, 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 he had the, the, the more, he had the upper hand in terms of the amount of violence he was able to he was, do. Yeah. So Charlie went along with it. And there's a moment where Norman, it's really interesting, where Norman says, just do it, Charlie. And the way that he delivers that line it's totally ambiguous whether he means just do what I say, take David downstairs, I'm going to rape Amy, or just kill me, Charlie. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't decide what she meant. I think it, I think it's, it's beautifully open. You can read it read either, either way, way yeah. and either way you read it, it works really well. Because mm-hmm. if he's telling Charlie just or do just what do I it. do as I say, then Charlie's killing him to sh- to sh- to like, flex that you, violence. Right, say. right, right. He's he's usurping Norman in mm-hmm. the. That that um, continuum of violence that we've seen in the film. He's he's eradicating this third claim to the territory that he and David are disputing over. But if if you read it the other way, Norman just had a realization that he has he has violated. He's he has become so fallen and so animal-like or so beast-like he needs to be put down that he recognizes the need for his own destruction either reading is really interesting yeah so i i don't know i thought that was really important and Um, then he blows him away he does he shoots him (laughs) and uh i can't i can't man i I can't i can't even do the mental gymnastics needed to like it i know i know that's why i forced it i think it's I wrote down, does Norman, re- does Norman realize that he is as sick as Niles? Because these men are here. Oh, to get, I think maybe he does. They're here to get a man who sexually assaulted a woman and killed her. And what is he doing but sexually assaulting a woman? Right. In the, you there know may what I mean? A, there may, well, in this nihilistic universe, I think it was more probably like, just do it. How much self-awareness? Uh, yeah. yeah. Is this an echoing of David's line, why don't you pull and show me? Yeah. Or is this a moment of self-awareness I, for Norman? I'm not going to give him that. Personally, I do. I get, yeah? Just because of the line delivery. Okay. Just because of his, because pref- instead of like, just do it, Charlie. You know, or like, Charlie, just do it. Right. Just do it. It's not that. It's just do it, Charlie. It's this weird, sad, like... I'll have to I'll have to view it again. It's really weird. It's like the one line that... Because, again, I don't know. I can't... A lot of these, I, I have... They are ambiguous, but I have a pretty... This is what I think. This is what yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I think. This one, 
I could totally go either way. Right. Just for the sake of the conversation, I th- I think I give Norman a moment of self-realization where he realizes that he has to be put down. Well, that makes makes it a little less. Oh God, but still. It, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't at doesn't all redeem him. No, not, not in the all. slightest does it redeem him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So yeah, it's Norman gets shot. David immediately is like, "Oh, now Charlie's gun is empty." Wrestles him downstairs. They fall down the stairs. Fun behind the scenes. Uh, it's a stuntman, and it was actually a stuntman and Dustin Hoffman. No shit. Because you wanted, you were supposed to see his face as he went backwards onto the landing, and then they would switch to two stuntmen okay. who would roll down the stairs. But Peck and Paul riled this dude up so much, the stuntman, that the stuntman didn't stop at cut, and they just kept and going down, dragged the stairs. his Holy ass down shit. the stairs. And they then uh, two people ran in and broke up a fight at the bottom. So it was supposed to be like you're going to go down three stairs onto the landing. We'll cut. Then we're going to then we're going to get stuntmen. The and then- we're going to cut to the lower angle and you go down the stairs. It's just a two shot because the stuntman dragged Dustin Hoffman down the stairs and then cut, dragged him down the next flight of stairs and then was going for him and they dragged him apart. Shit. And the guy's like, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. Oh wow! They just he got went in. He went for it, man. Went for it. He just boom straight into it. Shit. There's a, well, we'll wrap this up. But there's an interesting story. When we're off air, remind me to tell you about the prisoners. The same thing happened in prisoners. But um, I think I actually talked about I it think in, the you did in the episode. Well, never yeah. mind. <laughs> but the same thing happened in prisoners. Down at the bottom of the stairs, Charlie, or David grabs the man trap. He throws the man he trap. He essentially, like, sticks ha- him with it. he, like, swings it like a hammer yeah. overhead or something. <laughs> like, holy fuck. He, like, axe k- smacks. <laughs> Charlie with the man trap again, dude. We're laughing about We're it. We're laughing about it. I know. We shouldn't be laughing about it because the teeth close around his neck and they break his neck. And they break his neck, but he doesn't die right away. No, again, he's he, sitting there like a fish out of water. That's sort a of. great. It's you know when you have you, when you you've, land, been, you've been deer hunting. Oh you, fuck yeah! You ever accidentally? You've ever have you ever got mm, shot a deer? It's not fun. They, they they suffer. They kick. Yeah, and they kick. They do that like kicking, kind of thrashing. Like if only I kick enough maybe i can maybe stand i can up. stand up mm-hmm. and it's painful and yeah to look at i've put down four and three went clean but i i i shot one like in the spine so when i got to it it's like its lower legs were doing the kicky thing and then you, you put it down you immediately it down but immediately, yeah. you can't ever unsee that yeah. and that's what, and that's charlie's, what charlie's doing, doing. That, that kicking that like yeah He's like, if I can move, maybe if I can just, it's not even a men- it's not even a conscious thing. It's like your body's your like, body's like, trying like, Oh, to try to move, yep. try to move, move around, move around. And maybe we'll not be dead. Yeah. It's really horrible. Oh man. Like there, there it is. There it is right there, Carl. The thesis of this whole six hour series, man. Fuck. The glee in us when you're like, he swings that and, man and trap. And he gets him and he casts in his head and it's, Yeah. You know what? That's Peck and Paw right there. Mm-hmm. That's let me. Can I go on a little thing and yeah, try and try it. and pull this apart in my head? Yeah. There's an initial thrill to violence. That first two seconds. That that first the bang of the gun, pulling the trigger, the swing of the sword. There's a thrill. There's a little adrenaline, a little hit of adrenaline. And what movies do is they show you the hit of adrenaline, and then they cut and show you something else. Another hit of adrenaline. Peckinpah shows you that after that first thrill, there's still death to deal with. Mm-hmm. And there's the aftermath when the bang is out of your ears, 
when the when that when your blood is down again you're left looking at that deer kicking in the in the, the leaves or you're looking at the man just trying to move to loosen the pressure on his broken neck or the 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 man going into shock because his feet are mangled that we don't see and that is what Peckinpah shows us and that is why when people talk about violent when you look up Sam Peckinpah the all the articles are called like cinema of violence the right. violent world of Sam Peckinpah Sam Peckinpah and masculine violence all relevant but the reason that he's so strongly associated with violence is the violence that Peckinpah shows us is disturbing because Peckinpah shows us violence married to death as it is in the real world and Hollywood shows us violence. That's it. There's a difference between violence and violent death. Mm -hmm. Peckinpah shows us the latter. Hollywood shows us the former. Right. I think that's the, yeah, yeah. That's the best I can tease that apart. Yeah. I'm along with you on that one. Absolutely. Cause We've done that twice now. We're like, the kill was so great. And then when you and talk about what you see after that. It's like, oh, it was, it's, but things happen right. to this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and this is pretty much it. That's uh, yeah. the last guy comes in. He gets the upper hand on David. Amy shoots him. We already talked about that. Yeah. David gets in the car and drives off with Niles. But the last line is beautiful. Do you have Niles, it? Because Niles know? says to, to, to Charlie, not to Charlie, there to David. So I don't, I don't know my way home. Mm-hmm. And, and David, David says, I don't either. He goes, it's okay. It's okay. I don't either. I don't either. And he's smiling. He's the happiest smile. Not a maniacal smile. No, it's not. It's, it's that a, David smile. Yeah. It's sort of self-satisfied. There's, it's interesting. I would love, I didn't watch the commentary, but if I could, I would love to watch this, a commentary with Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman and Susan George and the guy who plays Charlie Venner. Yep. I would love to hear them talk about this. That'd be a fantastic commentary. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily know what to make of my, I think I, I mean the, the last line that I don't know my way home. It's okay. I don't either. Even though he's just. It's not his home, though. It's Amy's dad's house. It's Amy's dad's house. You know, like... There's a difference between a house and a home. There's, like, that whole thing, but... I think... Do you think it's... Do you think it's David wrestling with... We talked about earlier how this movie doesn't let you have a moral position. Mm -hmm. Because wherever you place your moral position, it has an opposing view to disassemble it. And we talked about how David defending Niles or defending his home, to defend the sanctity of human life, he had to mass murder. Yeah, he killed a shitload of people, and he violently. killed them up close. Very, yeah, exactly, very violently. Now, driving away, is he feeling what we, as the audience, are feeling that we are adrift in with no moral harbor, which to to you know park our. Maybe I think that's it because I mean he's that violence is we talked about earlier that violence is in all of us, and it's become a real thing for him. And now he doesn't know his way. It's like, well, that's. Don't know a way home. What about now. what about a reading where David? Because we just what we just talked about the violence mm-hmm. and the death. Yeah, the violence was David defending his home, and now that he's in the car, he he's looking at the, the death. Yeah, but he's smiling. I don't know. I don't know. The mo- the end of the movie is really enigmatic, and it's very. 
it's hard to get a it's hard to get a grasp on. Yeah, it sure is. It really is. It's and and it's not it's not like you know um, the ambiguous ending when you see the ambiguous ending and you're like, oh, that's bullshit. What a cop out. Yeah, this is this, not that at that all. It doesn't feel like no. that. It feels like. It feels it's, like, it's, oh, go ahead. It's leaving you to, it's, it's, it's again, Peck and Paw saying, oh, I've shown you the thing now. This is here. Yeah. You make your decision on that. How do you feel about it? How, yeah. Where does this where sit? Where does this sit with you? It's, it's like the end of this movie, because they're driving in the dark into the fog. It's like looking at still mm-hmm. deep black water. And there is something just out of sight there. Because mm-hmm. when you see the end of the movie, it, it's like a bell sounds in your head. There's, you know that you just heard something important. Yes. You know that that means something massive. And it affects you. It makes you feel... It, you, you feel at the end of this movie when he says, that's okay, it's okay, I don't either. You're like... it. it this like pouring of like... Like sadness mm-hmm. and weird... This weird like nihilistic... Not nihilistic. We use that word too much on this one, I think. But... It, that like this this blank feeling where you're just this like oh god like this heaviness yeah it, it, yeah but you can't quite see what it is what it is yeah, that's no doing not it. at all god damn it I mean I don't know that that would be the topic for like an essay where I could just sit and yeah that's an essay yeah that's one you got to wrap your brain around for a hot minute I liked it though I like this is I I'm not a, I'm usually not a fan of ambiguous endings I think they can often be lazy just oh, to cop sure. out if you don't know how to end the thing this feels super like a good treatment of it yeah. yeah it's not like did did well okay in inception did the top stop spinning or did it fall did it fall over or didn't it right, fall over yeah. you have like one or the, or the other, other choice yeah. a lot of ambiguous endings are that it's like do they live or do they die this ambiguous ending is infinite yes what does that line mean i don't know it could I mean no anything you want anyone it to can mean. read it any number of ways you can yeah i'm looking at it right now i can bend this oh, i can yeah, bend this you, 40 different ways but that's the genius of it yeah and the movie only really has one ending everyone dies and david rides into the dark but with a pedophile, but, yeah. but the line is what has changed inside him, mm-hmm. and that is totally unexplorable. Yeah. All right, so we did it. We did it in under two hours. So, or this episode, we did. I'm gonna take the hottest <laughs> bath. So many bath bombs, Dude, bath salt. Like it's okay. We got a. We're gonna do a purge. A, we're gonna do a bunch of really goofy movies. I know. Next. Yeah, I know. Thank a, God before our main season. Like twelve years of slave. Yeah, our main season is going to continue to be heavy, but we're going to do a lot of Patreon stuff. We're going to palate cleanse. Yeah. We're going to do some goofy ass sleepaway camp movies. We're going to do some Die Hard. It's going to, it'll be fun. We got we need, <laughs> we need some of that, man. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Longest episode ever. Yeah. Six hours. This was more of a. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. This was a, this was an exploration in a lot of things. Yeah, we're going to we have one episode planned for season 2 like this, but for the most part we will not we're not doing stuff like no, no, that. We're no. not this doing This is a the, this is a once a season sort of Once a season deep dive. This is this is really the film school portion of the podcast. Right. Like when are we ever going <laughs> to Right. Ever do this again? <laughs> well, next season. That's true. We'll be like and today we're watching Attack of the Giant Leeches. Right. Now, this is going to be a four-part series, eight hours. We're going to dissect the symbolism of... Why do they choose black and white? Well, it was the only film stock available at the time. No, no, well, I, I think, it's, think probably. it's probably... <laughs> exactly. So anyway, got, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys, gals, all of y'all, that was Straw Dogs. Um, 
we got a little bit of time for closing thoughts because we just went on that's a really long journey that we just did there yeah i feel i'm starting to feel a little bit of like (sighs) a little bit lighter um after talking about it for three days is rough it is it is do you feel like after talking about it in depth at length we covered every note in my book Mm -hmm. and i had 18 pages of notes so that's why it's so long do you think that you that anything in the movie changed did it for you did it did your understanding of it deepen or broaden well i think anytime we talk that's one of the reasons one of the reasons that i really enjoy doing the show is well i watch movies differently because i i'm I'm getting more from them because i'm watching them for making notes and things like that and then Mm -hmm. coming to the table and having the conversation right you do have some realizations and some that's part of the reason why we do the show so I do have a, a, a deeper understanding of the film. I didn't. I intentionally did not take notes this time. Right. Sometimes I discover things along the way when I take notes. So it was a very interesting situation not having that notebook in front of me to right. refer to, or I'm just based on recollection alone. So it did. It was very interesting for me going through it in that sort of way. But yeah, I think I have a. Even more, like I appreciated the movie when I watched it, but I think after having six hours of conversation with it, this is this is a fucking master work. A lot of the art, of, the art in it comes out. A mm-hmm. lot of the it, when when the the yucky feeling sort of goes away. Yeah. After it, a day, when you look at it this closely, it's like when you look at a like an amazing painting, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Wow, that's an amazing painting." And you get up close to it, and you can see the brush strokes, yeah. and then you start to understand how the brush strokes individually work to yeah, build how that they marry thing together and blend. And yeah, I, I agree. I think looking at it so minutely really. It, normally, if you look at something like if you did Cemetery Man like this, right. if you look too closely at something, you can start That's to pick it apart. Yeah. This one just gets stronger when mm-hmm. you look that deeply at it. Does not make it any less problematic, or not at all, or hard. even more problematic. Definitely, yeah. If you because you can watch the it, things that I struggled mm-hmm. with watching it, I struggle with more now having this conversation because we have sort of like, well, see how we're laughing about this. Yeah, the violence now. Yeah, it man, that that level of introspection is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Like to look at, oh, it's violent, and, and I think we should all do that from time to time, anyways. Which definitely. I think I feel like we don't do enough. Yeah. Um. All right. So, anyways, did you? This is a weird question. Mm-hmm. Did you like this movie? Did I like it? Yeah. Do you like it? I still don't know. I think I do. I don't. It's it's. Fuck, man. It's. I liked this movie. Yeah. I will watch this movie again. Oh, I will. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But it's this is not a movie that you put on lightly. No. This movie, you you know you're going to watch this movie like two days before you put this movie on. No, exactly. No, I do I do like this movie um, for, for a lot of reasons. For the performance, for the craftsmanship, for the... It's dealing with tough issues. Peckinpah's world is a strange world, but I think it is Hard. holding that 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 fucked up mirror to nature that muddy yeah you know it's and, showing us things that we don't want to see and peckinpah's world is a hard world to navigate it sure is cuz when like we lo- we're looking at this movie and most of the time you can talk about just about anything you see mm-hmm. on film like you know, here's what i think and here's what i think but peckinpah Peckinpah's got some murky waters and his his paths lead into some really 
strange territory and his rules are not your rules and right. they're not the rules and of the real but world. But then you're forced to live in that you have world. to think on his terms and that's un- very uncomfortable mm-hmm. oftentimes. So yeah. Like wearing that peck and paw shaped jacket when you're sitting down to watch this movie is such a weird. Pretty much. Because I yeah. have a skin in my closet. Have <laughs> the peck and paw suit? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I highly recommend it. I highly yep. recommend Straw Dogs. I think it is definitely worth a watch. All right. I got nothing else. Do you have anything else? Nope. I sure don't. All right. We are a listener-supported podcast, so if you like what you heard, if you like these deep dives and want to throw us a couple bucks, head on over to patreon.com slash maxpeterson. That Patreon will eventually be changing its name. For now, that's still where you can find us. Um, if you want to, if you have any comments, which I imagine some of you do, which is like which this, is like, good. Let's like let's continue the I'll conversation. Um, drop us a line at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. We have to thank our patrons because they made they made this banana sandwich episode series and possible. With their patience for their yeah, loved ones over very the last much few days so. of being subdued, subdued and, and forlorn, and, kind of yeah. really introspective, and maybe a, a touch didn't want to even look at her in the eyes or touch her. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Would you like a cup of tea? Let me just make a cup of tea. I don't deserve you. I have to go look at the dirt for a while. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, uh, Casey Scheibe, John Scheibe over in the NYC. We really appreciate the support. Um, we also have to thank Connor Sweeney and Danielle Pelshaw. Thank you guys so much. And uh, hopefully, I mean, we'll see how rough 12 Years a Slave is, <laughs> but hopefully we'll get back to the goofy-ass shout-outs. But it just it felt really wrong with this movie with to, this do, movie, to yeah. be cracking jokes and doing things like that. So we wanted to do these three episodes straight and um, probably 12 Years a Slave as well. But after that, we'll <laughs> that, get back, back into the, the goofy Back shit. to me saying really weird shit. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Go and pick up a copy of Straw Dogs. I'm, I, I know this was really heavy, but I promise you, it is. it will reward you for a watch. Um, so thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time with uh, we're, November? No, November. November is our next month, so we're yeah. doing... Uh, it's a whole month of a whole Michael, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. And actually, three of the movies are directed by Steve McQueen, so it's secretly, so it's secretly, it's secretly almost McQueen. a Steve McQueen month, too. Right so, yeah, so <laughs> next month we're going to be looking at one of my favorite actors, one of your favorite actors? Yeah, absolutely. Michael Fassbender, starting with 12 Years a Slave.